0: Hello, welcome to episode two hundred and thirty-four of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew RMP. and join me as always is the Resurrected League Freak. So you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate?
1: I'm going really well. I'm I'm uh, feeling a little bit better again today.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I was just gonna yeah, bugger. I'm going to tell a little story. Okay. From from just about five ten minutes ago. <laughs> So we get on the uh, get on the old Skype and Freaky says let's do a podcast. i like, yep I'm keen. All right, I'm just gonna go to the fridge and grab a bottle of water. He said no worries. So I go to the fridge and I'm, I'm at the fridge. There's no one else awake here. There's nothing else on. It's all quiet and I can hear this weird noise on it. Like, what the fuck is that noise? Yeah, you know, sometimes you, you hear those noises and you wander around trying to figure out where it is and you go from room to room trying to find out where it's a bit louder. And I come back to where the uh, computer is and I'm, I can hear it in there. I put the microphone, I put the headphones on, and go,
1: oh, it's just freaky, coughing up his rotor. <laughs> yeah. How are you
0: going today, mate? You're at 68% yesterday. What are you up to today?
1: I'm at 69%. <laughs> and do you want to know how it goes from 68 to 69%? Do tell, do tell. I can breathe through my nose.
0: That is an important part. Of being at 69%. It really is.
1: You've got to be able to breathe through your nose to do that properly.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it's uh, yeah, it's not a pretty sight.
1: Nah, nah. It becomes difficult. I mean, it's doable. I'll it's, it's, do it.
0: Yeah. But still, you know. Yeah. you got to do the job right. That's right. That's right. Um, speaking of doing the job right, if you want to have trimmed, neat,
1: smooth nuts...
0: Who do you go to, Freaky?
1: Well, you just go to manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. And you put in our promo code. It's just for our listeners. It's for no one else's listeners. The promo code is NRL. And you'll get 20% off, one-fifth of the price off, plus free shipping. And they've got so many great products. So... It's not just ball clippers. Like the, the you can go with the lawnmower 3.0, which is fantastic. It's like the creme de la creme of ball shaving equipment on planet Earth. You can even go with the shears 2.0, which is more old school, you know. But they've also got formulations. Okay, they've got a whole lifestyle of formulations and things that can make your life better. So they've got the crop preserver which is the anti-chafing anti-chafing ball deodorant. They've got the Crop Cleanser, which is a body wash. They've got the Crop Reviver, which is a ball toner and refresher. They've got the Foot Duster, which is a foot deodorant. And they've got the Crop Mop, which are ball wipes. Have you ever wanted to wipe your balls with something, Andrew?
0: Yes, yes. And you know what? People don't like it when I use their hands. But you tell you what... If I was to use something that, that's a wipe, that would be much better and much more socially appropriate, I'd imagine.
1: You know, in the old days, I used to say, hey, have you got a hanky? I just need it for a second. And I'd wipe my balls with it, you know? at just...
0: Unless you used their hanky. I was just going to use their hand.
1: Well, you know, sometimes, when you you know... You... Anyway, you've got your ball wipes here, okay? <laughs> Before I say something, get me in trouble. But you've also got <laughs> boxes t-shirts they've got premium travel bags to put all of your manscaped equipment in they've just got everything so go there check it out manscaped.com chuck in code nrl and 20% off free shipping and they also have a 30-day money back guarantee because they know how good all of their stuff is
0: you can't go wrong with that people you really can't all right well speak of going wrong Yes, we're going, to, we're going to do a review of the 2020 NRL season, and we're going to start with the wrongest team that went as wrong as, as a team possibly could this year, and that's the Broncos. They were properly wrong. They were historically wrong, and they wrong. were bad.
1: Yeah, they were really bad. I was thinking about today about if we were going to do a review, what you would say about the Broncos. It's not a talent thing. They've got plenty of talent in that team. But basically, every other thing you could have go wrong and done poorly, they did poorly and made sure it went wrong. They had a coach that was out of his depth, that couldn't develop a squad, that picked poorly in terms of his combinations and things, that was an absolute drama queen, that couldn't keep his mouth shut and stop bickering about bullshit in the media with other people that were far more successful than he was. Uh, you had some talented players that didn't put in. You had old players that should have been moved on and weren't. You had old players that shouldn't have been in the squad that were brought in. It, it was just a mess from top to bottom. This is a club that needs a complete clean out. And I, I just don't know that they've got the balls to do it. I mean, this is a team that. They lost a few games to start, at, start the season, and their players were crying on the field like a bunch of babies. Where's the constitution? Like, stand up and be a man. Learn how to lose a game. But that's the Brisbane Broncos in 2020.
0: It is. It's pretty well summed up. Um, and before anyone sort of, not that they're going to do it here, obviously, but, you know, people will come jump up and say, oh, they're a very young side. All right. The Broncos' average age this year was 24.54. Twenty-four point five four. The team that finished first on the ladder had an average age of twenty-four point seven two. We're uh, talking an average age of about three months older.
1: Yeah, and, and there was there's no excuse for the Broncos. No. Um, and and, and the if we're thing honest, is, I
0: mean the the Panthers had less thirty-year-old players. They only had three players who are aged thirty or older in their side.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah like the kick has Broncos... one of their older players, and he's not old. Yeah, that's right. Um, so what what Brisbane lacked more
0: than anything, and this is not just on the field, this is at every single level within the club, is they lacked leadership.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Never have I seen a team, and yeah, I support the Tigers, but never have I seen a team lack leadership like the, like the uh, Broncos did in 2020. They were just a wreck. No one was taking in responsibility. No one was showing them how to get out of this, how to do with
1: it all. It was just a free for all when it comes to mess, and let's be let's be honest. Their coach was a joke. Anthony Seabrook oh, yeah. was a fucking joke. I mean, it was pretty clear to see last year how much of a joke he was
0: yeah. when he went to water mentally, at,
1: just at the thought of him having to coach against Wayne Bennett. Yeah, to the point where Wayne Bennett, the next time around. Didn't even say anything. He let his assistant coach Jason Demetriou have fight with Seabold. and it it, it happened again. You yeah. know, Seabold once again went to water. Um, Anthony Seabold should never get a coaching job again. It was what a farce! What an it's, absolute farce! It's it's um
0: it's fitting that the very last game that uh, Anthony Seabold coached was against his former club. Mhm. And it was a loss. Yeah. And it was in Sydney. Um man, he was he was bad. Historically bad in every aspect. Never have the Broncos been flogged so roundly, so
1: frequently in their entire history as they had done under Seibold. And the thing is, too, like you and me, the worst team we've ever seen is the the Western Suburbs Magpies of the late nineteen nineties. And when you watch that team, you could see you were like, they're bad. I know they're bad, and their results reflect what they are. When you look at the Broncos, they had so many representative quality players in their team, and yet, and so what it shows is their lack of effort. They didn't care about their performances. It, it was just a, the worst season you could possibly have for a club. And, you know, well, just it's hard to put into words how poorly everyone did their job at that club. And really, you know, the only player I can say from that whole club, I think Tony Staggs can hold his head high. I think he played well. And I think that David Fafita, when he when he was injured, it was a bit of an issue. He signed with the Titans, and you kind of thought, well, what's going on here? But when he come back, he was a monster on the field again. So I, I can't say anything bad about him either. But that's two plays. The rest of them, yeah. terrible. I mean,
0: Staggs was the highest try scorer and highest point scorer. Mm-hmm. Back 10 tries, scored 76 points, uh, and did it in 14 games. Darius Boyd, who had been on the chopping block last year,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and was—let's be honest—there's a fair chance he was pushed into retirement by this by the time this year come around, mm-hmm. because he has retired now. He was the only Broncos player to play all 20 games,
1: and probably if, the last one you would have wanted playing all 20 games.
0: Yeah, but I mean, if he was so bad, and that he and he shouldn't have been playing at all. Why was he the only one to play all 20 games?
1: Yeah,
0: I I don't know. And it's it's to the point where it's not like there was a whole heap of players who played just just one or two games less than him. Patrick Carrigan was the only player to play 19 games. Payne Haas, the only one to play 17 games. Herbie Farmworth, the only one to play 16 games. Staggs played 14. Crofton Milford, 13. Oates, 12. And then you start getting a bunch of players who played 10 games, nine games, eight games, six games. And that that's, comes down to the leadership at the coaching level because mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of sticking with a squad and trying to work with them to make them better, every loss resulted in mass changes. Yep. And you keep changing your squad every single week that frequently. You are not going to get cohesion. You are not going to get wins. And if you do get a win, it's going to be a fluke or it's going to be against the worst team in the comp,
1: which at the time was when they played against the Bulldogs. Yeah, and like you think of, of Seabold's time at the club. He came in and Milford was playing 5'8. He moved him to fullback. That wasn't working. Then he moved him back to 5'8, and Milford started playing well again. Then we come into this season and Milford's not playing great at 5'8. So moves him back to fullback, (laughs) and then they just drop him completely for the end of the year. And then you've got Darius Boyd, who they played in the centres and then moved to fullback. And it's not even as though his move to fullback was successful. He was embarrassing at fullback. He was terrible. And that just happened across the whole field. Like Croft was there signing from the Melbourne Storm to play halfback. By the end of the season, he's not playing. It, and it, this happened across the entire field. It was a, a bloody joke. And this is what happens, as you say, when you've got no leadership up top and you, people are making it up as they go. I mean, how many times did we see the Broncos would get flogged and they dropped a winger for yeah. no reason at all? And not and, even like you'd say, oh, the winger played bad. It was just, we need to drop someone, let's drop a winger.
0: And it was more often that it was Corey Oates. And- yeah. One of their probably more reliable performers. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, just, it was nuts. Um, and the thing that, that gets me too about them is most of these players were playing for the Broncos last year when they made the finals. Yeah. There was very few changes to the squad. So that's what makes this even more of a dire season for them, is that this is a virtually unchanged squad. Uh, yeah. They were talking about... You know the signing of Croft has been some great, you know, some great acquisition. They even made him captain for you know nearly half the season. Uh, you know, it didn't work. They did the they right. Brought, thing. They did they the right thing. They brought in, in.
1: Ben Teo. Well, I was just going to get to that. Yeah. Well, like what the who, Whose fucking bright idea was it to bring bring in ben Teo, who was clearly off the pace and just well, didn't at anything.
0: He was overrated when he was last playing rugby league in, at any level. He mm-hmm. then went to rugby union, bringing him back at the age of 33. No one other than a moron thinks that that's going to work out as a great thing for a club that is struggling as hard as the Broncos were. Mm-hmm. Teal would probably work if you bring him back into a team that's got a strong squad and they're working all right. You can bring him into the rotation, ease, you know, ease him into the game again. But they've brought him along there, and it's pretty much said, right, we've invested in this bloke. He's an experienced player now, so we're going to put him in the forwards, and we're going to start winning.
1: You know, It don't work like that. <laughs> no. And they were like, he'll be a great example for the younger players, and I'm thinking to myself, he will? Well, it's more just, even
0: if he is a good example, that's not his fucking job. That's what a coach is for. Yeah. You know? The oh, other,
1: it's... You know the other thing this year, which... It really showed the whole Broncos situation was there was one week where Seabold said to the players, just go away, just go away and come back on game day and we'll sort it out. And that was their best performance of the season. Yeah. It was like, so the least he has to do with the team during the week, the better they play. Okay. Noted.
0: Noted. Exactly. Um, yeah. Four captains throughout the year as well, too. Just insane. Croft nine games, Glenn seven, and three, Carrigan one. Just
1: just a mess. And the other thing is too, like Alex Glenn. They need to get rid of him. He's not a first
0: grader. He's not, but this is the problem they've got is they they got rid of Andrew McCulloch mm-hmm. as well. Um and now they got rid of Darius Boyd. Uh I dare say Isaac Luke won't be there next year either. Mm -hmm. the the only players you've got there in their 30s with any relevant experience are going to be Alex Glenn at age 32, you'll be 33 next year,
1: and a 34-year-old Ben Teo. And, And the funny thing is, at the start of this year, you and me were saying, man, this is the team. If you were a coach and you went to a club... This is the team you would want. They've got so many young players, got so much to work with and stuff, and they ruined it all. Yeah, and I'd hate to think
0: how much they may have ruined this team. You actually get the impression, too, that Fafita's made the right decision to to go to the Titans.
1: Yeah, he came out of that decision looking like he saw something and was like, I am out of here. He's going to a club that is much higher up on the ladder, that looks like they're on the way up. He is a star player at that club, and he'll earn $1.2 bucks a year. And for all of the, the sound that was around his decision, he just comes out of it looking like a genius.
0: Yeah. Um, other things that happened, the the Broncos unleashed a few players. There was Tessie Nui, the fullback, who a lot of people at in Queensland were comparing him to Darren Lockyer. Um, and then... He looked like he had the, the handling abilities of pretty much the worst AFL play you've ever seen. <laughs> and that was horrible because the kid does have talent. But as soon as you go heaping that amount of praise and comparisons like that on him, it's all it's going to do in a season where you're struggling is put more pressure on him. Yeah. And that's exactly what it did. He's 19 for Christ's sake. Don't, yeah. don't go comparing him to fucking Lockyer. Um, Xavier Coates has got plenty of speed about him. Tom and looks okay. Um, Jordan Ricky wasn't too bad. Herbie Farmworth looks okay. Obviously Payne Haas is an absolute superstar. They've got they've got plenty to work with.
1: I think their biggest problem is I I've said this earlier this year. If I'm Payne Haas, I start thinking, man, do I want to be here or do I want to do what David Fafita did and get the hell out of this mess? And if that happens, I mean he is he is a huge building block for this club and if you take him out of this club if he decides that he wants to go elsewhere they don't have much to build around I don't think
0: no and that's why I, was, I think I most suggested an earlier podcast they need to think about making him the captain but yeah. he's, a, he's a genuine leader of the forward pack um, that might be a way of you know giving him a character keep him at the club now some other news has just come up because obviously Anthony Seibold got sacked after round 13. Mm-hmm. And they had a caretaker coach after that
1: and Peter Gentle who didn't win a single game. Um, Which is the best his coaching has been in his last couple of stints. <laughs> that's
0: true. And to be honest, the last four games were possibly four of the best games for the Broncos all year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the um, game against Penrith, I
0: think, was their best performance all year. They were great. Yeah. Um, went down by 13 points to Penrith, 12 points to the Titans, uh, lost by 14 to Parramatta, and 16 to the Cowboys, which was probably their worst form in the last four. But still, they were largely competitive in those those four games. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been two players that have been in the uh, sorry two coaches in the mix for this uh, top job at the Broncos, and there's the obvious choice, which is Paul Green, and the wrong choice, which is Kevin
1: Walters. And it's looking like
0: they're going to go with Kevin Walters
1: yeah i I always worry when a club chooses a favorite son as the coach. I think that it always ends poorly and it ends in a sad way because you have to sack one of your greats that everyone loves, and that's what Kevin Walters is um i I look I don't see that he's a first grade coach, I just don't no. see it and. No. You know, we'll see. That's the thing about being a first-grade coach is you only know by giving someone the role, you know, and you can't foresee if someone's going to be a great coach ahead of time. But I just think that it's setting him up in a bad situation. It's a – right now it's a horrible job to take over. I think they needed some – they needed non-Broncos change. They needed someone to come in and say – Forget all this crap about Broncos are special and we don't lose and all this stuff. We're just normal players at any other rugby league club. The only way we're getting out of this is with hard work and being accountable for our performances. And I don't know that Kevin Walters is going to bring that to the club, unfortunately.
0: I also, I, I don't think that Kevin Walters himself is mentally strong enough to do this job week in, week out. He struggled emotionally. With three games of origin per year, mm-hmm. we've seen him being a blubbering mess because he didn't get to pick Billy Slater one game. Yeah, and he's doing the same thing because they lost a, a series, and then he's doing some other weird shit, paying
1: some charlatan to not talk about New South Wales for a year. Yeah, and which is which is weird, and like coaches are psychos, you know? They're they're not normal people. They're like, look at go and look at Craig Bellamy or Ricky Stewart, you know, trying to pretend that they're not having a nervous breakdown every game. Coaching isn't for everyone. As much as you want to be around footy players and help them get better and all this stuff, it's not for everyone. It's only for certain sorts of people. And that's why they're, you know, the best coaches, are all a bit autistic or something. They're a bit weird. And I think Kevin Walters is a great guy. I think he's a really nice guy. And, you know, when you look at the the fierce firestorm that is being the Broncos coach in Brisbane. It's a one-town team and everything is focused on it. I agree with you. I i don't know it's the best place for him.
0: But, uh, well, you know, this is a celebration of the Broncos coming last.
1: Yeah. We it, got it, what we
0: wanted in the end. We <laughs> did. We did. It's been a good year. All right. That's a pretty big...
1: Uh, we can't keep on doing this doing for a long-range club. <laughs> we're about to do a seven-and-a-half-hour podcast. <laughs> Strap yourself in, people.
0: Um, right, next one, obviously Bulldogs. Uh, they're still in a rebuilding phase, really, and, and cleaning up the shit that was left behind. I They did a, a, an odd thing, I think, by sacking Dean Pay halfway through the season. Yeah, I'm not sure that he deserved that. I'm not sure that he was doing that bad a job. I mean, defensively, the uh, the Bulldogs were not that bad either
1: yeah you
0: know there was the cowboys manly and the west tigers all above them on the ladder who all had worse defense
1: than them yeah and they had by far and away the worst squad coming into the season um when your linchpin is karen foran you've got a problem when he's your best player you've got a problem i think it's good that he won't be at the club next year i think they needed to go in a different direction Um, As you said, Sack and Dean Pay was really. I think that it was the board needing to sacrifice someone, and it happened to be Dean Pay. Um, Steve George did pretty good for the rest of the year, but he's in the same position. He's not got much to work with. Uh, I think avoiding the wooden spoon was a big thing for them, and you know they made that big decision to get Trent Barrett for next year, which I think is, I think it's going to be a really bad decision for them.
0: Yeah, I've got no faith in that decision. Tell you what, if I had to pick between between Barrett and Dean Pay as coach, I'd just stick with Dean Pay because I dare mm. say he's cheaper and yeah. he's not
1: going to be worse. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if I'm running a club, I sit down and I say, look, we haven't got the talent. It doesn't matter if we get Craig Bellamy in here next year. We're not going to make the finals. So... Do we really want to be paying out Dean Pay and probably paying out Steve George Arles as well, while we're also paying Trent Barrett, who's going to bring in his own coaching staff around him as well? It, it just seems like a silly decision. I think what they needed to do was focus on their recruitment. They needed to get rid of all of the, you know, the dead wood at the club. I think they're a good season and a half away from being anywhere positive and you know, I I think it's probably a positive for Dean Payne and Steve Georgialis that they won't be there to go through another season and a half of crap, especially when you know the club was willing to cut them cut them loose so quickly.
0: Yeah, and they've already made moves to start, you know, reshaping their squad for next year. Mm-hmm. Um believe Tolman has finished up at the club. Yeah. He was their oldest player and he's only thirty one. Yeah. Um Kieran Foran is looks like he's signed a uh, one-year deal at, Mel- at Manly, so he's gone. He was 30. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Jackson will be 30 next year, as will Tim Laffay, Tim Lafay, who they brought to the club mid-season. I don't know why. Yeah, that was a weird one. Um, you got Jesse Sue and um, Will hopper Wadi are both 28. They'll be 29 next year. Kerr Holland's retired. Um, and then you're looking at Dylan Nappers the next oldest and Raymond Fay Talent Mariner. So... They too have a, have a reasonably young side, and it's getting younger, mm. which is probably not the best situation to be in as you're moving to, you know, try and make something bigger and better than what you have been doing. There's there is quite a experienced drain there. I don't know
1: how they fix that. You know what? Getting James Tamo would have been perfect for them. It would have given them a building block. I know he's a bit of an older player, but. At least he would have brought a bit of experience to the club. And I think you start off by trying to get that forward pack working again. Dylan Up has been absolutely terrible for them this year. Um, they obviously had a couple of players at the start of the year that really put the club in a really bad position. They lost their major sponsor out of that. Um, Will uh, Will Hoppawati's been very good, very, very good for the club. Yeah. DWZ has been an abomination He's been absolutely terrible for them. And if they can cut him loose, I would be doing that as soon as possible. Uh, but this is this is a team that still needs a rebuild. It is.
0: Um, and only one of their players played all 20. Oh, no, they had three players play all 20 games this year. It was um, Josh Jackson, Jeremy Marshall King, and Raymond Fatale Mariner. Yeah. Uh, we'll do a little basic stats thing. Let's see. I did it for the last team. Top try scorer for the Bulldogs this year. Fatale Mariner and Nick Meany both had six tries each. Wow. And top point scorer was Meany, who had 68 points.
1: Oh, wow. That's incredible. Holy crap. Yeah, it's it's not been good. No.
0: Um, Who's next on the list? Cowboys. Cowboys.
1: Wow. Didn't their season go bad?
0: It was... It started out...
1: Meekly mm-hmm. put
0: it that way, but mm-hmm. not horribly yeah and after uh, after round seven, they had three wins and four losses. They were looking like they were going to be you know
1: middle of the road, yeah, and then they shit themselves, yeah, and it I mean, how long ago does it feel like that Jason Talmalolo broke the record for the most meters by forward in rugby league history, mm. and then we had the break. And they come out at the break and we're like, oh, I wonder what he does. And he starts playing great again. And look, he had a great season, but everyone else didn't. Um, I think that the thing that punctuated this season was they got Valentine Holmes from the NFL, wanted to play him at fullback, paid him a lot of money, and he was absolutely terrible, in my opinion, this year. And the sort of decision that does get a coach fired. And eventually Paul Green was fired
0: yeah look i think the problem they had with Holmes, i i think he's perfectly fine to be their fullback problem mm. is the club wasn't convinced by it and they they had a rookie play there occasionally and the rookie played pretty well and that was taboo for now. um but the problem is they knew that their halves were not that strong without morgan in the team yeah even when morgan was in the team he only played six games this year But even when he was in the team, he didn't make that much of an improvement to the side. Um, And so because they know that their spine was struggling, they decided that they would rely and lean really heavily on Valentine Holmes. And Holmes has never been the playmaker type of player you you fall back on. He's a ball runner. Mm.
1: Um,
0: And so trying to lean on Holmes to do the majority of your playmaking when he's at fullback and he's a ball runner, was never going to end well. That That's not his game style. And if that's what they wanted from their fullback, then they definitely bought
1: the wrong player. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, oh. they, they had some players that this year were a disgrace. I thought they, uh, Drink Drinkwater, sorry, I went to call him Daylight again. Drink <laughs> Drinkwater was so bad, and they kept on selecting him, and I don't know why. Um, Cohen Hess you get rid of him as soon as possible. He was absolutely terrible. Um, They need to sort out having a hooker that's a first-grade quality hooker because they, you know, through the season, there were points where some of the decisions their hookers were making, and it was like all of them were terrible, and their passing was terrible, you know. Um, It was, it got bad enough to the point where you kind of hoped that Jason Talmalolo wasn't starting to think about how bad this team is around him. Uh, one of the highlights of the year was Kyle Felt getting smashed by Mike Sevo, and that sums up their whole year, really. Well, speak of
0: Kyle Felt, he's the only, uh, I think he was the only player for them. I oh, know, Francis Molo played 20 games. Cole Felt was the only one that play all 20 games. Mm-hmm. Felt scored 19 tries in those 20 games and 122 points. He was the top try scorer and point scorer. Um, just to put that into perspective, he scored 19 of the Cowboys' 67
1: tries this year. Far out. <laughs> and how many of them were of consequence? Like, Well, probably none, but I mean, that's almost yeah. 30% of their tries. It's crazy, though, huh, yeah?
0: Yeah. Um, and...
1: Over just on a third of their points. You know for the year came from Felt. The thing about watching this Cowboys team that got me, there's two things that stood out, especially towards the end of the year. Josh Hannay, if he thought he was going to be a first grade coach at some point, he can forget about it. Because he made them worse. And he actually like it was almost as though you could say he just didn't care. It was really weird. Um And the other thing that stood out for me was that Jason Tamalolo, even with the terrible team around him, was fantastic. He still did what he was doing. So I thought that that was pretty impressive to see from him. But, man, this was a a horrible season for the Cowboys. And, you know, they've got Todd Payton going there next year. He's building his own coaching staff around him. It's going to be interesting to see if he can turn it around. Well, we saw what
0: what Payton managed to do with the Warriors.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. He looks like he looks like he's got the ability to get quite a bit out of his players. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm i willing to to give him some time and think that he can do what needs to be done there. Mm-hmm. The problem he's going to have, obviously, is that roster needs a shake-up, and it's been needing a shake-up for several years now.
1: And yeah. the
0: club's been unwilling to pull the trigger on quite a few players that they need to.
1: Yeah, it it kind of feels a little bit like, What Tim Sheens did where he had his roster, they won a title, and he just stuck with it and stuck with it, and it just sort of eroded away, and he didn't fix it up at any point. And, you know, it cost Paul Green his job. But also when you look at the fact that the one time they did splash out, they went and got Valentine Holmes, who was so bad, you know, for that much money. He's a real albatross for that club now. Um, Yeah. Just really, really a, a tough season for Cowboys fans. And it's sad because they've got that big, beautiful new stadium to play out of now, and they couldn't have anyone turn it up for the first few weeks of it. It's just all-round a bad year for them. They're, um, I was going to ask you a
0: question. There's, mm-hmm. there's six oldest players. Now, one of them's retired, that's Gavin Cooper. Yeah. How many of these six of their uh, of their oldest players would you be keeping for next year? Mm-hmm. Actually... Top seven oldest players, because they'll all be 29 or older next year. Okay. Ben Hampton.
1: Wow, he still plays.
0: Shit. Yeah, he'll be 29 next year.
1: Yeah.
0: Kyle Felt will be 29 next year. Michael Morgan will be 29 next year. Yeah. Jordan McLean will be 30 next year, as will Justin O'Neill. Yeah. Josh McGuire will be 31 next year, and Jake Granville will be
1: 32. I would keep McLean, and I would keep Felt. The rest, I'd get rid of. I tend to agree. Yeah, because I think that M- McLean is a solid player. He's not spectacular, but he's solid. You and need felt... him in your front row rotation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And felt, you know, he does score tries, um, and that's it... something. Well, he's reliable as well. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get the pretty much the same performance out of him every week.
0: You can work from that. When you when you're rebuilding a team, you need to get a few consistent players who you know you're going to get the same quality performance from them every week. Because um, you can work around that. If you've got a whole heap of players that are just hit and miss every week, you
1: can't build anything on that. Yeah. You need a solid foundation. The crazy thing for me is how completely and utterly it seems like Michael Morgan's career is done.
0: I do worry that 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 bunch of head knocks he copped was a year or two ago. Mm. I do worry that that's impacted him. Yeah, because yeah. he was he copped quite a few.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but anyway, next is Manly, and boy, it,
1: yeah. did the shit did they shit the bed? <laughs> <laughs> they really did, and it's uh, you know we talked about it in a podcast last week, I believe it was, and it's something I was tweeting about today. You need to start looking at Des Hasler, I think, because, yeah, they had injuries, you know, but so did most other clubs, and they were pathetic for the vast majority of the season. Like, 75% of the season, they were atrocious, and they got worse as the season went on, and they've got a very good halfback there in DCE. They've got some solid players in that club, and... You know, you look towards next season and they're bringing in Foreign, which seems like a, a backward step. And I just, we do have to start talking about Des Hasler. And it makes me think just say so they have a season like this next year, at what point do you start saying to yourself, oh, they've got to sack Des Hasler? It's a tough
0: question. And the thing, the thing that gets me okay is that the middle of the year, around 10 and 11, mm-hmm. they beat Parramatta in what was probably one of their best performances of the year. Mm-hmm. They backed that up and they beat the Cowboys the week after, and they were sitting in eighth position on the ladder. Yep. And from that point on, they only had one win, and that was against the Bulldogs. Yeah. And quite a few of these losses were heavy ones. They lost by 30 points to Penrith. They lost by 40 points to South. They lost by 24 to Melbourne. Um, they lost to the West Tigers, who came from behind in the last 12 minutes to beat them, and the Tigers were bloody average this year Mm -hmm. um they lost by 18 points to the titans and then they lost by 12 points today to the warriors
1: and the thing is too that that's their second loss to the warriors this year i believe and there was a loss early this year to the warriors and Mm. it that was the first game where they just didn't turn up and you were like holy shit what's going on here like because And that was at a point where we were wondering if the Warriors would win a game this year because they had so much to overcome. And they, the Manly Seagulls did not turn up. And you're like, this is very strange because this is not what we're expecting out of Manly this year. And it was a sign of things to come because there were a lot of games they didn't turn up in.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the week after that, they
1: only went down by two to
0: Newcastle, and you thought, oh, maybe it was just a blip on the radar, mm-hmm. and then Stouts put 50 on them, and then Melbourne put 30 on them, and then they lost to the Tigers from behind, and then they struggled to beat the Dogs, mm-hmm. and then the Titans put 40 on them, and then the Warriors put 40 them, and you just looked at them and went, their defence just
1: turned off. Yeah, yeah, it really did, and... You know, it, it, when you look at this team, it, it looks like a thrown together team. And I guess when you get a few injuries, it does. Y- you have to throw your team together. But man, it 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 was it was not just that they'd lost players; it was the way they were losing games. Like they might be the worst team in the competition, just behind the Broncos in terms of like you're watching them and you're like, oh, they they've given up.
0: Yeah, uh, it was. They were hard to watch. Mm. Um, so they had, they had a few players to play every game this year. It was Danny Levi at Hooker, um, DCE, Jake Trebojevic, and uh, Lachlan Croker. They, mm. they all played all uh, all 20 games. Um, top try scorer was George Tafua with seven tries from 14 games. Top point scorer was Ruben Garrick. He scored 98 points in 17 games.
1: And I think that the 2020 Seagull season will be summed up by the fact that uh, there was a game there where they played the uh, St. George of Luar Dragons. They went as his favourites. I tipped every single winner leading into that. All I had to do was win that game, and I was going to get $2,500, and DCE had his worst game ever, and they lost. And I'm not bitter. To 4 You're not yeah, bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. But fuck DCE. Because <laughs> um the week after that he came out and he had an absolute cracker and they beat
0: Parramatta twenty two eighteen. Oh, I know bastard.
1: <laughs> he owes me two and a half grand. Anyone out there that knows DCA, tell him he owes League Freak like two and a half thousand dollars.
0: Oh yeah. Um right next
1: the Dragons.
0: Pretty and, good people
1: uh... at the Dragons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what's funny is that. Just as we were getting to the mode of thinking that Paul McGregor was utter trash, mm. he does this every year, he strings together a, you know, a little run where they start to win some games, they start to move up the ladder, and you go, oh, maybe he's done enough to justify his place in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, mercifully for the Dragons. They saw through that shit, and they gave him the ass anyway. Um, yes. Because the team selections, the, the squad that he was picking, the squad he was building... Um, they underperformed so badly, and it wasn't i can 't even blame the players because the game plans that he had them playing was not utilizing the strengths of nearly most of his squad and it was diabolical
1: to watch him do that to these players well and, and here 's the way to sum up their season If I said to you, "Tell me who the first choice halves are for the for the dragons <laughs> <laughs> Cause i can 't answer that question. You start the answer with, um... They they only used about 27 halves combinations. And, like, they get to the end of the year, and the halves they started with aren't even in the side. And, like, it's just absolutely insane. I also think the way to sum up their season is that James Graham chose to leave the country mid-year, go and isolate, and then go back to St. Helens. And he probably had the best outcome in 2020 of everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: that's a pretty bad sign that is right there. Yeah, yeah, it really is. The other thing too is, I don't know if I've said it before, but Zach Lomax, mm-hmm. man. The Dragons' point scoring did not happen with him on the field. He scored 178 of their 378 points. That's almost 50%. It's amazing. 40% of their points came through him. Um, Ravalawa, Dufty and Lomax were also top top try scorers. They all had 13 tries.
1: I thought Dufty played pretty well considering like he uh, to be a a fullback behind a a beaten team every week. He did pretty well considering. Um but they had a lot of forwards that didn't stand up and do their job. Paul Vaughan is number one amongst them. Um, yeah,
0: Paul Vaughan looked like one of those blokes who just decided that this season was a write-off. So there's not much point, you know, busting my backside and possibly getting an injury for for you know a dud season. Yeah. So he, so he just clocked off. Yeah. And that was sad because I I really do like watching Paul Vaughan play, but this year he was phoning it in. Let's be yeah. honest.
1: I agree. I agree with you one hundred percent with all of that. Um, yeah, Adam just
0: a, Adam Clune at halfback was a pretty handy find.
1: Uh, you know what? I don't agree. I don't see anything in Adam Clune that makes me think next season will be any different for him. Do you I think,
0: just think. Do you think Corey? Uh, do you think
1: Norman and, and Hunt are better half options? Well, it's interesting. I was watching the footy today, and Greg Alexander was asked, "What, what do you do next year?" And he said I'd have Dufty at full back, I'd have Hunt at half back, he'd have that young bloke Sullivan that played today, played really well. Um and that would be his his spine basically with McGuinness at, at at hooker. And I agreed with that 100%. Oh, I'm, I'm one hundred percent. Oh I'm
0: fine break. with that as well. I'm just, yeah, my my point more being is that I think Clune is a better option than the Haas options they started this year with. I think Corey Norman's done. Yeah, I think Norman's done as well. And I don't I'm not even convinced that Hunt is, is worth persevering with, but you pay him so much. You've got to bite that bullet, haven't you? Yeah, at um, some point
1: you do. I just don't think Kloon is a, an upgrade over Hunt to the point where it's, I'm getting rid of Hunt. He he is to the sense
0: that he doesn't cost as much.
1: Well, and that's you, the only
0: thing. You're getting the same performance out of him
1: as what you get out of Hunt, though.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but because he's costs so much less, to me, that's what makes him an upgrade.
1: Yeah, but you're still playing Hunt.
0: Well, oh, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. They, they want to play Hunted Hooker now. Yeah, which I
1: think is silly. To the point
0: that, that they will put McKinnis at lock. <laughs> and this is what they. This is what they'll do.
1: You know, this is what's going to happen next year. They're just going to be doing more of this. Well, we'll see. We'll see because Griffin's going to come in. Uh, like I tell you, another thing, Dean. Uh, Dean Young, it took over this team as uh, as Paul McGregor was shown the door. And Dean Young, once again, another coach, would-be coach that showed he is not a coach. Um, and then the way that they then signed Griffin, Griffin comes in and basically says, I don't want anybody involved in this coaching staff to stick around. And then in about four days later, Dean, Dean Young comes out and says, just to let everyone know, I'm moving on. It's like, fuck <laughs> off, idiots.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Zach Lomax, um, Josh Kerr and Blake Laurie all played 20 games this year and Tyson Frizzell. Sorry. Um, they were the only ones to play all 20 games this year. Frizzell's off to Newcastle for next season. Um, bad year as well. Yeah. He, he's, he was phoning it in more than Vaughan was.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Expected so much more from this year, and there was just nothing there. Um, Tristan Sale has also been pretty much told to leave, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good thing for his career.
0: Uh, but, you know, Trent Merrin came back to the club, so that was a good thing.
1: Yeah, what a weird signing that was, too.
0: Yes. Now, at 11th place. I, I don't think we've talked about this team all year. Uh West no. Tigers.
1: What do you mean 11th place, West Tigers? Mm. That's not where they finish. I,
0: mean, I said I was saying quite a few weeks back that the Tigers were no chance of finishing 9th. ninth. They didn't yeah. even get close. You called it. I called it. Um, Tigers this year were... Well, let's start with the positives. Okay, now we get on
1: to the negatives. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the decision to have uh, three different choices at 5 eight was a poor one. No, look, that's that's what we call tradition at the West Tigers.
0: <laughs> I thought the, in fact, decision... the fact the fact they only had three was actually pretty pretty impressive. They kept it down, kept the numbers down a bit. <laughs> I,
1: the uh, the other decision I didn't agree with was to take maybe the one or one of the two or three players in the team in Benji Marshall that was actually doing something on the field, dropping him to try and get performance out of everyone else. Not getting any performance out of anyone else because they dropped Benji Marshall. Benji sticking solid, saying all the right things, doing all the right things, bringing him back into the side, and then immediately announcing that they were not re-signing him for next year. I didn't think that worked out well either. Yeah, let's be honest. The way they handled
0: Benji was poor. Very poor. Uh, he, especially these last few years, he's one bloke you can just bank on to have a good game pretty much every week now. And uh, I, I get the reason why they want to get rid of him. He is—he's going to be 36 next year. Mm-hmm. Um, his defence is probably close to the worst it's ever been. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, his attack—it's never—it's never been garbage, and it mm-hmm. hasn't got—it hasn't got worse. No, nah. you know, at the time that he was, even even late in the season, he was. What in the top three for trices for the year? Yeah. Like's a gun. Absolutely. And the gun.
1: the thing is too, the his and you talked about this a little bit yesterday, the way he is playing in attack has changed over the course of his career. And that's a sign of a great player to be able to do that. Um he'll be a really good pickup for some club next year. I actually want to write an article about the best place for him to go next year. But uh yeah, like If you had said at the start of the year, look, the West Tigers are going to do nothing this year. But they're going to show Benji Marshall a door and fuck it up as bad as you could fuck it up for Benji. Uh, Very sad that it happened that way. Um, You know, and it just shows that no leadership at that club at all.
0: Well, I think the problem they've got here is Moses By. is not a captain. He's he's barely a first-grade player. Yeah. And all the positions that Moses and By can cover, the Tigers have got a plethora of players already playing first grade in those spots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's basically centre, fullback, five-eight, um, and even when they try and try and manufacture him as some sort of number nine, there's already players there for that. Um, there's no place at the club for Moses and By, and yet he's the highest-paid player. It yeah. just made no sense to bring him to the club, no sense to keep him there, and even less sense to make him captain and persevere with him as captain. Yeah, um, and that's not a criticism of his of his leadership. It's more the fact that if you can't nail a nail down a position in the team because you're not the best at any of those positions you play, how can you then
1: be the captain? I don't get it. Yeah, I, and I, he he just he looks like a really handy experienced New South Wales cup
0: player. Well, yeah, you put him on the bench. If you need one of those utility 17, you know? Yeah. That's what he is for me. And not even every week though,
1: like just every
0: so often. It's just, it gets me. I, I, I just don't get why he's there. His defensive reads this year were, um, half the time they were guesses Mm -hmm. and bad guesses. Mm -hmm. He got exploited at center so many times. For his bad reads, he'd either rush up and in way too early, uh, he'd be too late to move, or he'd be standing still and
1: isolated one-on-one. And it happened far too often. And I think something to sum up the Tiger season is that, like, I mean, if I had to pick three players that were their best players this year, I would probably say Benji Marshall still. I would say Luciano Leilua, who was a fantastic buy from the St. George Illawarra Dragons. He dropped a little bit of weight, but he played great the entire season. And the other thing, and it's almost salt in the wounds, Harry Grant on loan was an absolute revelation for the club. And at this stage, it looks like he won't be there or he'll be going back to the storm next year. And man, it oh. it, it sucks.
0: If we're honest, Harry Grant transformed this club from being a bottom three club to being a team that was very close to being in the conversation for eighth place. Yeah, yeah. Um he was I, I knew he'd be a good player when he got there. I'd been talking about how good he was for well over a year now. And he more than proved it this year. Um Lua, I must admit, when when he got signed, I was I wasn't opposed to the signing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think he was going to have the season he did. I thought he'd just be a bench back row option, and that was it. He'd be part of the rotation in the in the second row. Mm. And man, I was I underrated him immensely because he was he was essentially the uh, the kick out for the Tigers.
1: Yeah, look, I always liked what I saw of him when he was at the Dragons. Every time, like he'd have games where he'd be really damaging, and I thought, man, this is this something that this guy's got. And when the Tigers signed him, I thought he could be a really good signing. I didn't think he'd be as good as he is, though. Uh, He's he's been really damaging. Ball runner. He's he's like so much go forward, uh, breaking the line. Just fantastic for him all year, too. And uh, Josh
0: Alawi had a a pretty good year for a young prop as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to say something that's a little bit... It's going to be a little bit controversial, especially amongst Tigers fans. Yeah. I don't think Adam Dewey was too bad either. Like, I, I'm going to say he's, he's not fantastic at fullback. Yeah. He does have some flaws there. But you cannot question his commitment and his desire to play the game. Like He gives 110% every week. And I think with that attitude, it's going to be pretty quick and easy to fix any flaws in his game. I mean, he's only 22, and he's showing some good leadership skills
1: already. And I think he will make a good six. Look, I didn't think he'd make a good six until that last game. And then I was like, Oh man, he could make a good six. Mm. (laughs) Um, You know, I I said like when they passed up signing Latrell Mitchell, I thought it was a bad idea. Um, I still stand by that, but you know, Latrell Mitchell wasn't going to get this side into the finals. And, I've actually got a question for you about Harry Grant. Do you think that it's if if you look at this situation again, would you ever hope that your club brings on a potential star from another team for one season to develop them for that star to leave the club? Yeah, it's
0: I I'm I can see why teams will do it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why the Melbourne did it here was to Because Harry Grant was NRL ready last year. Yeah. And they knew that if they didn't get him playing NRL games this year, then he was a chance to say, you know what, I need to go to another club because I want to play first grade footy and I know I'm ready for it. Yeah. So this is their way of appeasing him without having to push Cameron Smith into retirement or Brandon Smith out of the side. Yeah. So this was all about – everything about this move helped Melbourne. Yeah. Did nothing for – the West Tigers. Yeah. Um, And it is a a bit of a pill to swallow because he was one of the Tigers' top two, three players for the year, undoubtedly. And we won't see him again. Um, And on the flip side of that, the player we loaned to Melbourne was Momorowski, and he played like three or four games because he he was injured for most of the season. So Mm. we didn't get any real
1: major development out of him because of his injury. Yeah, and there's, like, there just seems to be no upside. Like, say, say a player like Harry Grant went to a team like the Panthers because they didn't get Coruscant. And it's all, like, you know, they've got a one-shot, one-season, let's go for the title, we've got this young guy, we're going to get him cheap. Maybe that makes sense. I don't see that it makes sense for a lower-table team to do it, though.
0: No, no. It's, um... Yeah, it's, it's a bit bit of a bitter pill. The problem yeah. is Melbourne still haven't solved their problem with what they do with the the fact that they've got Harry Grant, Brandon, and Cameron Smith at the club because you can't push Cameron Smith out because he's still had a bloody good season. Yeah. Brandon Smith's a test hooker for New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And Harry Grant is unbelievably good already. You can't carry three hookers in a season. No, no. You can, you can probably justify two, especially when one of them is Brandon Smith and you can play him anywhere and he'll do a job. Yep. You can't carry three. And I keep saying it, but I think next year, the Storm are going to have to say, you know what, we will keep Cameron Smith on, but he is going to have to play at halfback. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to have Harry, Smith, uh, Harry Grant at nine, Brandon Smith's going to have to be on the bench. That's just going to have to be the way it is. I agree. I
1: agree. Um, I, I would have said different at the start of the year, uh, but I think that Grant has shown that how good he is and the difference he can make to a team. And you know, I I I wouldn't be shocked if Brandon Smith left the Storm at the end of the year. Actually,
0: neither would I. I think he's the he's in an unfortunate situation because um, Cameron Smith is probably going to hang around for another year at least, and I think he's good enough to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Harry Grett, you just can't deny him an NRL opportunity any longer. He got delayed one year bad enough as it is already. He should have been playing last year.
1: Yeah, and he, like you can just see, he's, uh, he's a blue chipper. Like he's oh, yeah. like, we might have a hooker here for the next 10 years.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays Origin um, the end of this year. Yep. I also wouldn't be surprised if he's playing test football within the next five years. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Unbelievable talent. And the Storm are smart enough to know all of this. Um, They know that he's the one they need to hang on to because he's the one that they'll be building their team around for the next decade or so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, there'll be stuff when Cameron Smith retires. Yeah, good one. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. They'll just keep churning him off the board. Exactly. All righty. That's enough about the West Tigers. Um, I'll do the appearances thing Luciano Leilua, Adam Dewey, David Nofaluma, um, They all played 20 games this year. Mm -hmm. Nofaluma, obviously, the top try scorer was 17. He was the leading try scorer going into the last week, but he ends up finishing about third on the list behind Felton, Alex Johnson. Mm -hmm. Um, Moses and Bayer was a top point scorer with 74 points. Jeez. Nofaluma had 68, Dewey 56, Benji Marshall 37. Um, Tigers and goal-kicking, atrocious once again. Yeah. That's got 80 tries and 59 goals. Wow, that's terrible. That is bad. That's
1: terrible.
0: And wow. goal-kicking cost them that game on the weekend against Parramatta. It did, yeah. It really did. And it's been custom games for a long time now. Um, next, let's be honest and positive about this one because it's the Warriors, and I want to start at the top. Thank you to the Warriors for deciding to stay in Australia for the entire year so we could have a full competition go ahead as, as much as it could. And they put in a good end-of-season run as well. Yeah. Um, so they actually shook up the competition a little bit in the back end of the, the season, which was very un like Usually when they get to the back end of the season, they go, well, if we're not first by the time the middle of season's here, we're never going to be, so let's just pack up and go home now. Um,
1: they put in. I liked yeah. it. I liked yeah. it. I think it's a it's been a really weird season for the Warriors because when you saw what they had to deal with in terms of they all had to come over being a bubble the first place they sent them to was bloody uh fucking uh Tamworth Bill Tamworth <laughs> and so they were there for a few weeks and then they went and stayed in Sunny Gosford for the rest of the time and you felt sorry for them just for that but And I said at this when that was all happening, I don't know that they're going to win another game for the rest of the year. They ended up winning eight games this season, which is fantastic. Uh, But I think that the thing about the Warriors' season is the fact that they had they got rid of the coach, which they should have got rid of Stephen Kearney last year, and Peyton come in, and that was a positive. They got better. Then they had a handful of players leave the club and decide to go back to New Zealand and they got better and they got a bunch of players loaned from other clubs who all played better and then green leaves cuz they're not going to sign him next year and they got better <laughs> and that's the that's the story of them this year is that all of these people at the club and these players and stuff that oh you can't replace them and all, they all got replaced and they got better
0: that's the thing this is a club that made a lot of big decisions this year about their coach um and the their squad for you know for the rest of this year and moving in the next year, and with the exception of the coaching decision for next year mm-hmm. every other decision was a positive one that helped improve the team, yep like um you know Adam Blair's also retired, I think he's done that at the right time mm-hmm. um as you said, Blake Green has left the club because the, they've got two young hook uh, two young halves there now who are. Yeah, you know, they look they look like they're ready for the role. That's Harris Tavita and uh Nick Arima. Um Yeah, they're they looking like they're in a pretty good spot. They only need a few really good signings. They've made a few already in the forwards, which will help with their um their depth in the forwards, which is handy. They probably need one or two in the in the backs. And they'll, they'll have a competitive team that'll be pushing hard for the final, especially if they continue this back half of the season form they had. Yeah. Um you know, they Sure, they had, I think, five wins and five losses at the end of the year. But the five losses were an eight-point loss to the Roosters, a six-point loss to Penrith, a six-point loss to Parramatta, an eight-point loss to Cronulla, and a 12-point loss to Canberra, all top eight sides. Mm -hmm. They beat Manly, they beat Newcastle, a top eight side, they beat the Bulldogs, they beat Manly, and they beat the West Tigers.
1: Yeah, and... and Um, they had some really good performers this year. Um, Hiku was fantastic. He was amazing. Uh, RTS, once again, was a colossus. Fantastic. Harris Tevita once... You know, we talked about this last year. Give him game time and he's going to be a great halfback. And, of course, they gave him game time, finally, because Stephen Kearney wasn't coaching the team, and he was playing fantastic footy. Uh, there are some positives there.
0: Yeah. Also, um, Tohu Harris, man, he lifted his game immensely this year, and he he covered a lot of, um, a lot of areas in the forward pack and a lot of different roles, and he just he was an absolute star the whole time in that forward pack, and I don't think he got much credit for the work he did because man, he was busting his backside harder than ever before, and the Warriors were, were you know actually doing some good work off the back of it for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, he was epic this year. And I don't think he's getting much much credit for the work he does in the forwards there. I think a lot of people tend to gloss over the work he does. I think he's one of those few Storm players who's left the club and been able to continue playing at that exceptionally high level.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's the the list of them you could count on one hand. Yeah. Um, I thought that Katol was a really really good find for them. He looks, I mean, if he can improve just a little bit next year get a little bit more consistency in his game and stay on the field. Like, he's going to be a devastating ball runner. Um, I, Like, I love watching him play. He can break a game open from nowhere. But I think the thing they really need to do next year is look at some of the players that left and went back home and and consider whether they're really needed next year because I don't think they need them. Yeah, they... I suppose they're in a good situation there
0: and, um, you know, feel good. We'll sort it out with his emails, I guess.
1: Yeah, he'll do some a uh, couple of quick SMS messages, maybe put a few emojis in there, yeah. and uh, he'll sort out everything. Just we'll asking.
0: So this year, um, Tohu Harris and Adam Blair were the only players to play all 20 games for the Warriors. Um, their top try scorer was Peter Hickey with eight tries. And the top point scorer was Harris Tavita with 62 points,
1: which is kind of crazy because he didn't play that many games.
0: Yeah, He played uh, 13 games. Yeah. So again, another team that struggled with goal kicking. They had 61 tries and 49 goals this year. Jeez. So something else they need to sort out as well. Mm-hmm. All righty, we're getting towards the uh, the top of the top of the bottom half of the ladder there because the uh, ninth place team. It's not the Tigers this year. It's the Gold Coast Titans. And they had a very Gold Coast Titans start to the year. Yeah. With, you know, three big dickings. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but steadily started to show signs of improvement. And then, then they finished in a massive, massively improved situation. They won their last five straight games, um, which equaled their best ever winning streak. Mm-hmm. And... Like they didn't play too many big teams in there, obviously, but still you've got to win you've got to win the, the games against the poor teams as well.
1: Um they looked a completely different team the last five weeks. Yeah, and it's something to build on for next year. You know, they get uh David Fafida in there next year, he'll be fantastic for their forward pack. Uh, it took him a while to for Justin Holbrook to work out what he wanted to do with the side. He tried a couple of different combinations and things, and he finally settled on something towards the end of the year. and And that's where they started winning games. You know, um, I think that the big positive that they've done this year is they got rid of that give up, roll over, and die thing that they were so good at doing yeah. the last few years. And they got that out of their game, and and that's I think that that just that alone is the positive out of this season for them.
0: Absolutely, um, the defense improved immensely in the last five weeks. Mm-hmm. Teams were struggling to score points against them, and yeah. that was a that's a huge thing. Um, they beat the Broncos twice this year. Um, they beat the Cowboys once, so I think they they lost to the Cowboys in round three. Other than that. Um, they were clearly the best Queensland team, and as I was saying in a previous episode, I think it was it might have been one of the live shows that the Cow- uh, the Titans this year won more games than the Cowboys and the Broncos combined. Yeah, which is incredible, absolutely um, incredible.
1: And so the, the biggest the biggest positive for them, Bryce Cartwright left.
0: Bryce Cartwright left. Um, yeah, that was a big bonus for them. Other thing too is finally, finally. Ash Taylor
1: started to play some decent footy. Yeah, they were playing him at 5'8". They had Fogarty at that halfback. Yeah. It was interesting. Like, Fogarty, just one of those kind of... uh, You couldn't call him a veteran. You couldn't call him a journeyman Ah. in Queensland Cup. But he's kind of that in-between of, like, been around a little bit, played in the lower grades, not a superstar, but he just came in and did the job.
0: I'd say he's a general. Yeah, yeah. He just come in and commanded control of the side and took it. And, you know, by the end of the year, he's their captain.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, yeah, it's his team.
0: And, yeah, he's completely controlling. Everything's fine. Ash Taylor um, finally proving that he is an NRL quality player. Mm-hmm. He hasn't proven yet that he's a million-dollar player. No. That's not, he's not even close to that. But at least he's earning his place in the side.
1: And that's the, that's the first step. Now we we talked about this about a month or a month and a half ago. He he's not going to get a million dollars again. But do the Titans re-sign him or do you move on?
0: I think the Titans re-sign him, but they have to say to him, Ash, you've earned some good coin and produced very little for that coin in the last few years. So I think it's now it's your turn to give
1: us something back, and so we're going to give you a four-year deal, four hundred k a year. Yeah, they yeah I. I would agree he has to sign. I wouldn't even give him four years. I'd give him two years, but on unders, you know, and if he doesn't take it, that's fine. Yeah, because at this stage, if if he says no to that, Uh
0: he'll be saying no pretty much knowing that he's going to find it hard to get another gig
1: at another club. Yeah. And he will not get a gig at another club on the money he's on. Yes, 100%. Although I would say this, we – about a month ago, we said we can't even see him getting a gig in Super League. I think now he would get a gig in Super League. And if he yep. plays at 5'8", I think he'd play all right over there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they, because
0: um Holbrook was chopping and changing with a few different um, combinations all year, I mm-hmm. don't know if they... I think Tyron Peachy was the only player who played all 20 games this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. And most of those were off the bench. Which
1: is his best position? It know. is.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Craig no. Wing was a specialist at it too.
1: Yep. Yep. Um,
0: 100%. Anthony Dom was their top try scorer with ten tries, and Ash was the top point scorer with eighty four points.
1: It it at least they can look towards next season with some positivity, which is something that the oh, yeah. Titans very rarely have had. That was a great uh, finish to the season. That's yeah. definitely something they can work off. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Right. Well, we are an hour in. Do you want to do the top eight or should we do that for another podcast?
1: Look, I'm up for it. Are you up for it?
0: I'm fine with it.
1: I'm fine with it.
0: There you go. That was an intermission, people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do, 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 do,
0: There you go. That's your music as well. All right. Let's get the top eight. Cronulla. And uh, I, I just want to share a little stat here, which someone raised to my attention, so I had to go and research it. Okay. Cronella have become just the second team in the history of the game since 1908 to have perfect parity, and that is the same number of wins as losses in a season, and the same for and against in a season. So they had a points difference of zero, and they had the same number of wins as losses. And the last last time to do that was Newcastle in 1989.
1: You know what? They're also five and five at home and five and five away. Yep. That's Crazy. It is indeed, <laughs> and of course, their season started off with uh, Bronson Sherry on the TV saying how he's so much—he's even faster than last year. He's going to be really, really quick. Last year, he's been working really hard, oh, and then he got pinged for doing fucking PEDs, and he's facing a four-year ban. So that wasn't a great start to the season. And then uh, Morris decided to leave the club because. You know, he wanted to play with his brother. It's always been a lifelong dream. He wanted to do that again. And so they were on the back foot pretty early on. And they did okay considering. Yeah, look,
0: I think given that most, a lot of pundits and a lot of commentators had the Sharks pegged for a bottom four finish this year. Yep. And then they started with three straight losses. I think a lot of people were going, ah, we told you they were going to go bad. Um, but... Again, I just got to give big credit to uh, to John Morris because he just knows how to get this team up and stop them from falling into slumps. Yeah, sure and- they did, they had that uh, that record where they didn't beat any of the current top eight teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I will make it clear that they did beat two top eight teams this year when they were in the eight, and that was um, Manly and the West Tigers. I think it was. It might have been the Titans. Uh, it was two teams anyway at the start of the year who were in the top eight when they played them. It was the Cowboys. Okay. So both those teams were in the eight when they played them. They beat those two sides. But other than that, yeah, all they did was they beat the teams that they should have beaten. And and, uh, to be honest, that's the minimum that any team should be trying to do to reach the finals every year. You beat the teams who
1: you should be be beating. Yeah, it's almost Um, a science experiment. Hey, like if you beat all of the teams you should beat, do you make the finals? Well, yeah, you do. Yeah. It's
0: simple as that. Um, And I think... I think the shark showed that John Morris is a more than capable coach. He's still bringing through plenty of good young talent. He brings them through in the right way. He doesn't sit them in there and just dump them in the side and just let them stay there for the whole year and up and down. And on. And he gives them a little bit now and then and then takes them out, rests them, brings them back later, and mm-hmm. makes sure they stay confident. They're playing in good form. I really like the way he brings juniors into the side, and he's yeah. been – still bringing good juniors in there, which means he's not having to rely on spending shit tons of money like um, the previous coach was doing, Flanagan, Mm -hmm. on experienced players in other clubs all the time and trying to buy a premiership. He's actually trying to build a successful team that will be around for a while and they'll be together for a while. And I I like the way he coaches the team. He's actually got the, the Sharks playing exciting football where they score points instead of playing that boring, dreary Slug it out, only twenty points scored in a game type football, at least this shark's team knows how to
1: score tries and put points on and give you something entertaining to watch, yeah, true, and like i mean if if you think he coming to that this season, he lost uh, he lost sherry, he lost Morris, and then on top of that, Chad Townsend forgot how to play football, and then, like you know for feeder's leg he's playing on one leg all year, you know he had so many things to overcome. But they still managed some positives, and look, they're playing in the finals next weekend. Um, I really liked Braden Trindle. I thought he came on late in the season, and he just looked like a veteran. It was really weird. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes for the rest of his career. Toby Rudolph, who um, you could see in the lower grades, was a very, very good player. It was fantastic to see him kick on and really be their their number one forward by the end of the season. That was pretty cool to see. Um, Josh Dugan might have held on to some semblance of an NRL career. He started the season off really poorly, but by the end of it, he was playing all right. Um, Sean Johnson, kind of similar thing, started the season. You were thinking, man, his career is over. But by the end of it, he was going pretty well until he unfortunately had that uh, Achilles injury. Oh, but yeah. There's a lot of positives that they can look towards next season, and I feel as though if they can get rid of some of the dead weight if they can if the can just heal up, they've got they they might be able to do something next season. I don't think there'll be premiership threats, but I could see them getting sixth place, maybe fifth place.
0: Yeah, look, I think they're still going to be a top eight team next year. Um, And the good thing is they don't have that much dead weight hanging around now. Obviously, there's Moylan, who they're trying to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Um, Aaron Woods, who did have a good year, but um, I'm pretty sure he's close to the end of his contract run there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's the the matter with Chad Townsend, because the way Trindle and Connor Tracy came along this year, um, you've got to be thinking Chad's got to be on borrowed time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't see him keeping those two young guys out of the team consistently. Um, and Chad's going to be saved by the fact that there's a chance that Sean Johnson could miss about three months to start the year next year. And that will keep Chad in the side. But when Sean Johnson comes back and you've got Tracy and Tracy and Trindle trying to, you know, justifying themselves to be in the first grade side. uh Chad, Chad needs to find another. He needs to change his game up and try and find a another gear. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's going to get left behind. Um, I'd, I'd like to say too. I think Blake Brayley came along pretty pretty well too this year as well. He's a very nippy hooker, um, and his passing game is very crisp. And I just yeah. he needs to put on a little bit of a little bit of muscle on his upper body, mm-hmm. and he's going to be scoring those uh, you know barge over tries. You. you yeah, you know, you used to see Robbie Farrow do a lot of I I think there's a lot of uh, Robbie Farrow's style in the way Blake Braley plays the game. Yeah. And it took a lot of pressure off the halves this year when he started to get that confidence in his game because uh, I, I really do like the way he plays. I genuinely think he's, he's a lot better than his older brother who went to the Knights. I think that was another good decision that the Sharks made
1: too. Yeah, 100%. I also think uh, Bubba Kennedy at the back, if he can get a little bit more consistency in his game... He, like, he's he's a good long-term fullback for them. He, uh, you know, there was a lot of conjecture about who should be fullback, you know, whether it should have been Dugan or not. But I think by the end of the year, that was his position, which was good to see. Exactly. I think the other thing he needs,
0: and it's not so much to do with his game, I think his wingers need to give him a bit more support at times. We saw in oh, yeah. the game on the weekend that there'd be times when the wingers would not drop back in time and Kenny yep. would be left to cover the entire back of the field on his own—that's yeah. too much hard, too much work for one fullback to do. Um, so that's just another, you know, positioning thing that his wingers have got to learn. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was a, a fairly a fairly good season
1: for the Sharks, given yeah you know, a lot of people had written them off and didn't think they'd be able to do much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said yeah. that they would finish in the, the bottom three, so they did. They did better than I thought they'd do. Yeah, I had them. I think around seventh.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you, I'm usually pretty close to being spot on with the sharks. Yeah, they're the only team I, I tend to get a good read on. Other than that, every other team I get them completely wrong. <laughs> I,
1: I think I had the Tigers at, at 14th this year or 13th. I had the. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had the Tigers dead last, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. They tried. They should... tried. They <laughs> did their best. We we should uh, because I honestly can't believe. I can't, I can't remember, sorry, where I picked everyone. We should find that um, preview that we did and yes. have a quick listen to it and find out how how close we were because I've got no idea how close we were. No, neither
0: do I. We'll, we'll check that out and see where we went. I've, I'm guaranteed that there's no chance I picked parents to be first. Confident you would have though because of loyalty.
1: No, I, I might have picked that. I might have picked them in the top six. <laughs> I, I definitely would have had him in the finals.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, I'm pretty, pretty sure I had him there as well. Um, so for the Sharks, Aaron Woods and Braden Hamill, and Ueli both played all 20 games. Uh, top Troy scorer this year for them was uh, Sienna Catoa with 15 from 18 games. And Sean Johnson scored 120 points in 16 games. Wow. Uh, his goal kicking actually was a lot better this year too. It wasn't the horrible strayed mess that it was the year before. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, actually had a sense of reliability about it this year. Yeah, couldn't have been much worse than it was last year. To be no. fair,
0: um, seventh place, the Knights, and they started the season in pretty good form. Yeah, and then fell away a bit in the middle of the year. Got some form back, and then fell away again. And you, they're coming into the finals, and you, have I don't know, you just they're don't dead. know
1: them anymore. You they're just, dead ducks. They're done.
0: Um. Yeah, they. Yeah, you know, by round ten they were fourth, and they'd only had three losses.
1: They felt not... like pretenders, though, didn't they?
0: You, well, you could see them because they they started having win loss win loss win loss. So you could start to see that they were struggling with consistency. Then they lost to the Bulldogs, and then they lost to the Storm. He thought, "Uh oh, here we go." And then they played against the Tigers, which helped get them back in form because they. They beat the Tigers by 40, then they beat Manly, then they beat the Cowboys, admittedly all three-week teams. <clears throat> then the Warriors put a score on them. They come out and they beat the Sharks, then the Roosters put a score on them. Then they come out and they flog the Dragons, then the Titans put a score on them. And you're like, this, this, this seesawing crap, um, it's not good enough, a run, coming into the finals to have
1: gone through that, that run. Nah, nah. And... You know, they, they had a number of issues with injuries to their hookers, which really did hurt them. Like, that probably did hurt the club. Yeah, well, they went through, what, four? Had four hookers this year with injuries. Yeah, but I think there was one game where they lost two of them in the one yeah, game season was. in injuries. And, and I was watching that game, and it was like... It was crazy to see. I've never seen anything like that. But, that might have so, been the one against the Bulldogs. That might have been, yeah. But they... It, it was a weird season, I mean... Clamour tailed off towards the end of the year. They're, in fact, all of their forwards did towards the end of the year. Uh, I thought Ponga was fantastic throughout the season. Um, but the thing about this team, this is they're still rebuilding. And I feel as though for them to take the next step, there's a couple of players that I think that they've persisted with that they should not persist with anywhere, anymore. Someone like a Tex Hoy. You know, I, I don't think they need him around anymore. But then the big question here is Mitchell Pierce who like he's been dreadful this year at times and any positive things that they had was was from Ponger and Pierce was riding on his coattails they can't rely on Pierce and I think that it's going to be interesting to see if they've matured as a club to the point where they say, hey, Pierce, it's time to go. Because I think that would be a really positive turning point for them. Because, I mean, the, the last s- few games, Mason Lino was playing better than Pierce. He was running the attack, and they were playing better because Pierce was less of a focus. And it's like, holy crap.
0: I was going to say to you, I'm going to put towards a, uh, a difficult poser for you. Okay, go for it. If Ash Taylor is on the market mm-hmm. and the Titans say to Newcastle, can you take him off our hands? Do the new Do the Knights say yes? On the Ash Taylor money is on now. Yeah, well, Ash Taylor in any form, I guess. I suppose on the money is on now for one more year. Would you I... take Ash Taylor on a million over Mitchell Pearce right now?
1: I wouldn't because I don't believe Pierce is on a million but and I think Pierce would be an upgrade on Taylor in a, in defensively and I think Fogarty because it's his team that would be good for the Titans because Pierce could just be a you know I would tackle him 58 but like I don't I don't know who they'd get to play half back but I just think that for them to take the next step, it, it can't be Pierce. Pierce has got them as far as he can. And... All right, I'll, I'll put a more difficult puzzle to you then. <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: West Tigers ring him up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: They so, say, Adam, can you do us a favour, mate? Like, we'll take Mitch Pierce. Because, you know, we'll bring him back to the club where his old man played. Can you take Moses and buy? Oh, piss.
1: I, you don't even hear. You just hear
0: boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Okay,
1: you call back. You call back.
0: Mate, mate, I've got another one. I've got another one. Same same deal. You give us Pierce. We'll give you Josh Reynolds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I will say this, right? If I would... I look at the Panthers, right? I think Matt Burton's a first grader, and we're very lucky to have him. And but he needs to be playing first grade somewhere next year. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be at Penrith because I I would love to have him at our our club, but I would take Burton over Pierce immediately this weekend. Would you take Luke Brooks over Mitch Pierce?
0: How old's Brooks? Twenty six, twenty seven. I
1: think. Uh, Oh, man, it's fair. I I think I probably would because he'd be on less money. Oh, Luke
0: Brooks Brooks is 25.
1: Yeah, less money. He's younger. Yeah, I think I would. I think that there could possibly still be an upside with Brooks. Maybe the change of scenery would do him good. I think I probably would, yeah.
0: All right, we're starting to get a rough idea as to where we think all these players are, which is handy to know.
1: See, here's the thing, right? You're thinking like a CEO should think, you don't offer me what you want to offer me first off. You offer me some shit that i turned down. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. And then you come in and you say, hey, how about Brooksy? And I'm like, ooh, that's pretty good. Whereas that's what you wanted to do all the time.
0: Well, that's right. See, whereas the West Tigers, they just go, we've got this player... But we'll take that expensive player off your hands that you don't want, and we'll just give you some talented junior that we can't see the talent in, but we'll give him to you for next to nothing. How does that sound? (laughs) Okay, no worries. You've you've talked me into it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: It's it's looking like the Tigers are going to give away Luke Garner, who's had a pretty good year as a back rower at the Tigers, Mm. and they're going to give him away to Manly.
1: Mm. How about (sighs) this? I I think Mitchell Pierce, right, as a hooker, the West Tigers, could be a revelation. I don't think he's a halfback. I don't think he's ever been a halfback. I think if he was a bit bigger, he would have been a really good ball-playing lock, but unfortunately he's not. I've got no problems with him defensively. He's just not a halfback, though. And I think if you played him at hooker, he'd be really, really good. You know what? Mm-hmm.
0: I hadn't really thought of that before. I think there's merit to the idea.
1: I reckon, hey. He's got got enough
0: of the ball skills that you need for a hooker. Yep. Definitely has the ticker and the defensive um, technique Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, style, I guess, to, to make it work.
1: Yeah. He'd be a really, really good hooker. And I don't know why he hasn't been tried there before at hooker. um, well, because you know,
0: he was at he was at the Roosters when they had that superstar friend there. <laughs> I had no need to put him there. True. And they've had fifteen hookers at the at the night, saying, so, you know, they've got to put him somewhere else." So you know, they've got enough hookers as it
1: is. It's a big call for a coach, though, too, because like you put it, like you put him at hooker. You that's a decision. That's a big decision. That's that's saying I don't think you're good enough to play halfback for our club. Uh, and I think that your future is a hooker. That's a big call for someone to make, but I think you could do it bringing him in as a hooker, much easier.
0: Yeah, I think you might have uh, you you might have something there. I think the best way is you got to try and sell it differently, haven't you? Yeah. You got to say, look, look, Mitch, we we love the work you do at seven, and you are our best number seven. But right now, we don't have any nines, and we need you to do us a job there. You're gonna make it out like he's still the best seven at the club, but we need you to help us at hooker. And you make yeah. it out like the like it's at the deal, and then you just tell him every week, mate. You are so good at this. We had no idea you'd be this great. at it. You'd probably be be a, a, a an Origin and Test player at
1: nine, mate. We're gonna keep you there and see see if we can get you into those sides. You're playing fantastic. Well, tell you what, as a as a West Tigers fan, if you went into next year and your halves were say say Dewey Brooks at at Fullback, I mean, I don't know who you're going to have at fullback. Had a car, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Or a partner. And, uh, <laughs> and but then you had Pierce at hooker. What do you feel like if that was your team going in next year?
0: Well, I, I think for me, the one thing I've always wanted the Tigers to work on was their middle defense. And mm-hmm. a, a move like that would would help that in that area. Hmm. Um. And Pierce at hooker w- would help Luke Brooks's game because Brooks needs someone who can control the team. Yep. You know, when Brooks has played his best, it's when Farah was the player at hooker, or it's when Benji was next to him in the halves. Hmm. Um. People can deliberate as much that as much as they want. That's a fact. Um, so I think Pierce would be able to take a bit of that game playing pressure and, you know, it was not so much game playing, but you know, leadership sort of role from a playmaker off his, off his shoulders. He can do the kicking game as well. So he's Brooks wouldn't be the sole kicking target. Um, and Pierce does have a, a pretty good passing game. Yeah. So it, it, it wouldn't be too bad an idea. I'd, I'd rather a genuine nine, but I could I could live with that. It'd be an upgrade on, Mitch, on Moses and Byte hooker anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, true.
0: Or trying to make Josh Rounds a hooker.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Something Man. to wonder, Hey, eh?
0: Man, that's how bad the Tigers are at the moment. We're, we're looking at Mitchell Pearce's hooker as an, as an upgrade <laughs> to everything else we've got there, and it's a legitimate upgrade. And an exciting one, too. <laughs> an exciting one. Wow, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I was talking a few weeks ago, it would be good if the Tigers went and
1: signed Mason Leno because he can kick goals for a change. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing that's got me about Pierce the last few weeks is that, you know, he, he's been struggling this year. Uh, last year, he was overrated compared to what people were saying. saying. Um, and then the, the difference Ponga makes when he's in and out of the team is absolutely massive. I'm a massive fan of his. But then when I was watching Lino, controlling things and when he was controlling things for the knights and they looked so much better and I was like oh yeah this this is for me a turning point and but I do I think that he's a very good defender still and I think he'd be a, a very very good hooker actually
0: yeah i think too for the for the knights um they've still got a little bit of re, you know not, not so much rebuilding but rejigging of their roster to do yeah um they've got a few players there that will Probably be retiring or at the end of their contract soon, so that's going to help with that a bit. They still mm-hmm. need to get some some good players in there. The backline's a bit iffy at times. Yeah. So um, that mind. Let's see. They've had Clemmer, Mitchell, Pierce, Aiden Guerra, Jacob Saifidi, and Herman Sasa. All played and yeah, all played twenty games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, top try scorer was Enari Tuala with eleven. I would never have picked that in a million years. There you go. He pipped Ponga by one.
1: Hmm.
0: And Ponga was the top point scorer with 126 points. Oh, there we go. Uh, right, who's next on the list? Sixth place, yeah. South Sydney.
1: Yes, what a weird season for
0: Souths. And for for the first half of the season, they were just meh. Yeah. But they never felt like, though, they... they hit their straps or they look like they're going to do anything. They just struggled and ambled along. And after they lost to the Raiders in round 11, they were 10th on the ladder. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, they're done. Mm -hmm. They They look just completely shot. And then they beat the Dragons, which they should have done, but that was still a scrappy match. Then Wayne Bennett decided to go and have a feed at a restaurant. He took two weeks off. Jason Dimitri came in. He's undefeated as a coach. Mind you, he didn't have hard tasks. He beat the Cowboys and then he beat uh, the Broncos. Mm -hmm. And neither of those were convincing wins either, mind you. Mm -hmm. But Wayne Bennett come back from his feed, He's well fed, and then they just started smashing a few teams.
1: Tell you what, I'd love to know what they fed Wayne Bennett, hey? Because whatever they fed him, I reckon I know what they fed him. But it just rejuvenated him. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> it just rejuvenated him and got got, got his juices flowing again. <laughs> and he got the best out of the Rabideaus. I tell you the difference between the Rabideaus at the start of the year and where they're at now. Um, they developed... Some pretty handy good forwards. Their forward depth is much better than it was at the start of the year. There were some uh, some some of their forwards really kicked on, and that's been the difference. Um, James Roberts, they lost him early on, but you you look at uh, the likes of Jed uh, Jed Cartwright. He come into the side. He's played pretty well, and, and like Thomas Burgess, I think has is, is improved as the season went on too. They just, Mark Nichols, he's another one, he, he played really well uh, as the season went on. And it just seemed as though, at the start of the year, I remember you and me saying, they got no forwards. That's their big problem. And because these forwards started stepping up and developing and started getting some consistency, that's been the big difference. It also helps that Adam Reynolds isn't injured right now. Normally, he gets injured in the last two weeks of the season. They look absolutely outstanding. And it's a huge effort when you consider that they don't have Roberts, and they don't have Latrell Mutual.
0: Well, I mean, I've always thought that James Roberts was a, was a bit overrated. I did too. And I think we're seeing right now that South don't need him.
1: No, no. You could move We've, him on.
0: Yeah, they've got enough talent in that back line and plenty plenty in the, you know, in the lower grades to easily cover for him. Mm-hmm. So they could they could move on him tomorrow. That wouldn't be an issue whatsoever. Um yeah, they won uh, five, seven of their last nine games.
1: Mm. They're in good form. I I think that they're a real smoky for the premiership, hey? Yeah,
0: that that job they did on the Roosters this weekend. Oh,
1: that was an annihilation.
0: 60 to 8. And I thought maybe the Roosters, because I, I didn't see the team lineups before, <laughs> before the games this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the Roosters must have rested half a dozen players, and I thought, well, that explains it. And I had a look at the side, and it's near full strength. I don't know, yeah. Okay. That changes things in the final series a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Like that's just given the the bunnies a huge amount of positivity. Mm-hmm. They're on cloud nine right now, and that's you know, you want you want a team in a good mood as they're coming into the
1: finals, and yeah. they're in the best possible form. Yeah, And, no, like they've got some premiership winners in that team. That know what it takes. Uh, Reynolds being fit and healthy, Touchwood is a really good sign. Uh, Walker is in good form. Uh, Cook is playing all right. I don't think he's at his best, but he's playing all right. The forward pack is is working hard, getting good go forward, giving them exactly what they need. And yeah, I, I like. I would have them in terms of form, flat out form. I think they're third behind the Panthers and Storm. Yeah, it's hard not to think that.
0: Yeah, um, the only blip on the radar was that loss they had to the Bulldogs in round seven, uh, round
1: nineteen.
0: Mm-hmm. But um, that could just be Wayne Bennett, Fox, and his former team to make sure they got the wooden
1: spoon. Yeah, who knows? I tell you my, what, that that's mean. my dream anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I just whatever Wayne Bennett was feasting on, and you just know it was a feast the way Benny is. Oh yeah! God damn it! It got he, him going again. You know he would have said to the to the uh, the waiter, "Mate, Wait, I'm, I'm going to need a bib for this shit." Definitely, one hundred percent. I was about to say that too. Actually, he got yeah. his special bib out for this one. Tie me up. Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: the the bunnies had four players play all twenty games this year. It was Cameron Murray, Adam Reynolds, Damian Cook, Thomas Burgess, mm-hmm. Our top try scorer, and the competition top try scorer, Alex
1: Johnson, came from the clouds. Yeah. In that last game, and like I love it because he's a, he's one of those uh just natural try scorers. Like there's every so often there's a player they just score tries, and he's one of them. And uh, to see him score five tries, that was fantastic. Yeah, um,
0: so he, he scored five in the last game against the the Roosters. There to go from fifteen to twenty on the top of the list. He was nowhere near the top of the list, and he's claimed the title for top try scorer for the year. Adam Reynolds. Similar thing. I think he scored 18 points in that game. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And he went from about third or fourth on the list to the the top point scorer by a comfortable margin. He ended up finishing the season with 191 points. Wow. Almost 10 points a game.
1: Crazy. What a great effort.
0: Yeah. Um, Great season from them. They had three players with uh, more than
1: 10 10
0: tries or more. There's was Campbell Graham with 13 and Dan Gagai with 10.
1: Far out. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, so their attack is finally humming. They're looking really good coming into the finals, and they're going to make a mess. I think they're going to destroy Newcastle this weekend in the first week of the finals. Yeah, so do I. i hate to be
1: coming off a loss in the first week of the finals and playing against that South Sydney team. Yeah, they're, they're terrifying for whoever they play in that second week of the finals. Absolutely.
0: All right, moving on to... Fifth place, and it's the Canberra Raiders last year's grand finalists. Mm -hmm. And another team that had a a scratchy start to the year. um, Their attacks started to perform a little bit better as the seasons wore on. Mm -hmm. Um, They've only had two losses since um, round 10. And I think think a lot of people might be a bit shocked to hear that because I don't think they've ever felt that the Raiders were ever in red-hot form. Yeah. But, yeah, they've had... They had three wins and a loss, three wins and a loss, and they've had three more wins. Um, so, yeah, nine wins, two losses. It's a pretty pretty good run into the finals, to be honest. And they've kind of they are going under the radar a little.
1: So, and he like, so if we talk about their season so far, I mean, we both had concerns about the Raiders, and we we talked about them over time, and we uh, said that their attack needed changes. I wrote them off at the start of the year. I said that I don't think having an English halfback is going to win you a premiership. I definitely don't think having an English halfback and an English hooker is going to win you the premiership. I still feel that way. Um, I think this is their ceiling. I think that they they can't get better than fifth place, which is still pretty good. They're a consistent side, but I think that this is the ceiling for them. I, I don't see them as a premiership threat and haven't all year.
0: You look, on... I don't know. It's... You know, there's a lot of people out there who have criticisms of the Sharks for not beating any of the top eight teams. Yeah. I'm surprised that no one's raised the fact that the last four losses that the Raiders have had have been against the top four teams. Mm-hmm. So they lost to the Roosters in round 17, they lost to Penrith in round 13, they lost to Melbourne in round nine, and they lost to Parramatta in round seven. And... They weren't really smashed in any of those games. I mean, they lost to Parramatta by one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was converted try against Melbourne. It was sixteen points against Penrith, and it was twelve points against the Roosters. Yeah. Um, other than that, they've been putting on twenties and thirties pretty easily against the lower, you know, the lower ladder teams as they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And their <laughs> their reserve grade team racked up almost forty points against Cronulla on the weekend. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's their their attack is, has been reasonably good. I just I don't think I've actually seen it in one hundred percent full flight this year, which we haven't seen it in previous years. I just don't think it's hit its absolute best at any time this season. Which is probably a good thing coming into the finals, knowing that they can still get better in that area.
1: Yeah, but can they? That's the that's, thing. That's the thing. Yeah, and, and like, I feel as though they're one of those teams that, you know, they're not not a bad team. I'm not saying they're a bad team, but I just feel as though there's a ceiling on what they can achieve based on the lineup that they've got, and I I give credit to Ricky Stewart. I think he's nailed it. I really do. But I think if you want to do better than being, you know, losing to all of the real contenders you've got to make you've got to get some plays in there that can you know win when it really counts i remember that game against the panthers you know it was a 16 point win for the panthers but at no point in that game did i ever feel as though the panthers were losing it and there was one point in the game where they just strangled the the it's crazy they absolutely strangled the raiders out of it um, yeah. so yeah i i i just think you can't with the way that they're put together I feel as though they need a, a proper halfback, a playmaker at halfback. Uh, I don't think Williams is that at all. And I, I always had problems with Hodgson at, at Hooker. Now He's been out for a long time now um, with that injury, that knee injury. But uh, I think looking forward, they need a change it at both of those positions if they honestly want to be a contender. Well, I think they've already
0: found one solution there, whether they know it or not. And that's Tom Starling. And I know mm-hmm. I've been talking about in the last several weeks,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that kid has all the signs of being an absolute gun hooker. And if I was any club, I'd be, I'd be asking him because we all know the Canberra Raiders are going to hang on to Josh Hodgson. They're going to make him their number one hooker. Yeah. If I was the West Tigers, I'd be bringing him up saying, look, Tom, do you want to start gig at hooker next year? Yeah. will give you one. He's 22. The kid is an absolute gun. I love the way he plays the game. He's very fast out of dummy half. Um, he can break the line. Mm-hmm. Good little kicking game, great passing game. Man, he's a complete package. He's ready to go.
1: Yeah, and the cool thing is that he's really good for what they've got there with that big forward pack. I think that these new rules hurt the Raiders too, by the way. I think that they're bigger forwards. That it wasn't suited to their sort of lineup that they've had. Um, and I think it's a credit to Josh Papali that he's still been so dominant under these rules for a big dude. He's but a yeah, this year. he really has. He's, he's so good. He's he's just the best prop in the game, and it's it's easy. Um, but yeah, I I feel as though you know Chance Nickel Clogstad, he's been all right, but he's been a bit up and down at times. Um, you know, Kotrick has been so so this year. I'm glad my team hasn't bought him for next year. Uh, Curtis Scott has at times been diabolical. There's just issues with this Raiders team, and and I I think that that they should beat Cronulla on the weekend because, as you said, their reserves beat Cronulla, but I think that the second week of the finals, that'll be it for them.
0: Yeah. Um, For the Raiders, Nick Kotrick and uh, Saliva Havili were the only two players to play all 20 games this year. Uh, Top try-scorer was Kotrick with 12, and top point-scorer was Joe Croker with 146 points. There you go. No surprises Mm. with those two, I don't think. (laughs) No, no. Um, Right, so now we're into the top four, the Roosters. And, boy, never has one game turned a team's season so quickly. Uh, just as we were thinking that the Roosters was were hitting their straps and they're they're going on a run at the right time and hitting all the right form at the right time, round twenty happened.
1: Yeah, and
0: what that What the fuck do you make of that?
1: I, I don't. I really don't know what to make of it because I don't think I've ever seen it. Like, I, I know you and me didn't think the Roosters were going as well as some of the media types were, right?
0: I was going to say, we discussed for a few weeks now how as much as they put up good scores against Newcastle and Cronulla in mm-hmm. rounds 18 and 19, mm-hmm. there were times when their defence switched off yes. and they allowed their opposition team to make easy metres and score easy tries against them. And I, that was the thing we saw that was a big concern, was you just think, you, you can't be coming to the finals and have your middle defence give up um feel positions so easily and and let in tries so meekly as they had done mm-hmm. and but we didn't i don't think we ever thought that they'd get absolutely
1: hammered to the, to the point they did against south no, no one saw that coming no not at all and I, but like uh I, I think where they sit on the ladder is where they honestly are you know as a team and they've had some injuries. I think that injury to Radley, when that happened, that to me was like, oh man, because not only does he give them, like he comes when he comes on the field, he's really enthusiastic. He plays at a million miles an hour, but he also gives them some versatility and he gives them mobility as well. This is a dude that plays well above his weight and his size. And when they lost him, it was like they lost a bit of an X factor. And from that moment on, like so, they're dealing with his injury. They've lost a couple of other place injuries as well. They had Koidner uh, coming in and out with head knocks and things like that. Flanagan was dropped, and I think that that was a sign there that they were looking for something. and And it's a good sign because Robinson isn't buying into the hype of like we just got to turn up, which is fantastic. That was what makes him such a great coach. Yeah. Um, I I, I wasn't against them bringing in a Sonny Bill Williams. Because I think that their their back row depth is a problem, um, but I don't think Sunny Williams at the same time was the answer, and I think he's going to be a big liability against the top sides. Well, there
0: practice. was I think there was in the game against the Sharks mm-hmm. there was a try that might have been Hamlin Uweli scored. Mm. I could get the player wrong, but it was a simple one on one job for Sunny Bill Williams. And Williams didn't even get a hand near him. Yeah. And I thought that that's, you know, the week after that we saw, it was later on in that game, sorry, we saw Sonny Bill Williams being pushed more in towards the middle to try and help help him defensively. Yeah. That's a worry. If you're having to look after a forward from your bench, you got to look after them in defence.
1: Yeah, and he's 35 mm. and he's played... A handful of games this year, and he's played like what is it now? Three NRL games. Um,
0: he's, oh, he's played four games this year, and I think he played three games for the Wolfpack. And look, I probably put down his form more than anything to the fact that he has been injured, mm-hmm. and he hadn't played. He hasn't played much footy in the last five months prior to coming over to the Roosters,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he only had what a week or two of training after recovering from his injury, and then banging straight back in the side. Yeah. It's not really fair on Sonny Bill either.
1: No, no, and, it's not.
0: And there's a an unhealthy expectation upon him that he's going to be some sort of X factor that's going to deliver all of this, you know, unbelievable attack for them. Mm-hmm. He's just not that player anymore. No, no. Um, and I don't know. I think Robertson's still trying to find out the best way to use Sonny Bill in the team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what he does in the finals. I wouldn't be surprised if he drops him for the for one of the finals matches. Just to give him a bit of a breather and, and let someone else have a crack, I guess, who's a bit younger and a bit more energetic, and it might be enough to help Sonny Bill sort of help with his recovery from his injury and get his match fitness back up to where it needs to be.
1: Yeah, and like when you look at their season overall, they're two time premiers. First time it's happened really since nineteen ninety two, ninety three. Yep. Um it's, and to do that in the current era of the NRL is absolutely ridiculous. It's outstanding. And, and to play at such a high level for that long, um, and for the, it, it wasn't going to take much to wear them down a bit. And I think that those couple of injuries that they got earlier in this season is what it's been that has worn them down. Uh, I tend to feel as though they're out of it now. That we all know that no team has ever had 50 points scored against them and has gone on to win the premiership. They had 60 put on them a couple of days ago. That's a that's massive. I wonder how Robinson goes into this game because I I against the Panthers on Friday night because and I don't want to turn this into a finals preview, but you know I think that a few days ago he would probably have been thinking to himself, I go in and I say we've got the experience where the defending champions, you know, they don't know what's about to hit them. They don't really know finals football. All that's out the window when you've just lost by 60 points.
0: Yeah. This is all about, um, they're not going to be thinking too much about Penrith in this game. They've got to be thinking about how do we stop that from happening again and be competitive again. Um, And that's what it'll be all about. Um, Other than that, I mean, it's been a pretty solid season. They, they, They lost their first two games narrowly. Mm -hmm. And then when the competition resumed, um, their attack was singing. Had a close loss to Melbourne, um, a four-point loss to Canberra, and a 24-6 to loss to Melbourne uh, in round 14. They were their only losses between round three and round 19. Mm -hmm. So they were playing pretty well. And then that 68 loss to South at the end. That's just put a, a big question
1: mark over what's going on. I've never seen one game have that impact on a team before. No, we've, so, I mean, can you ever think of a a, a time where you've come into the end of the year and it's like, oh, this team's a contender, and then that happens? No,
0: never before.
1: No. It's crazy.
0: Um, not one of their players played all 20 games this year. Oh, wow. And their top try score this year was Brett Morris with 12. Mm hmm. Top point scorer, Cole Flanagan, 184. Very good
1: effort. And he didn't play every game either, so...
0: No, you yeah, missed two games, and he didn't score a single point in the last game, even though he had two shots of goal. Mm. So there we go. All right, top three, Parramatta finished third. Yeah, and, and once uh,
1: again, a bit of a funny
0: season for the Eels. Yeah, like, the, the year started kind of similar to uh, the way their finals campaign started last year. Like they were red hot. They were looking like the... They were, they were the real deal. Um, won their opening five games. Had the only win against Penrith for the year. hmm And then they lost to the Roosters the week after. Recovered quickly. Beat the Raiders in a quick one. Uh, they're in a close one, sorry. Beat the Cowboys and the Knights. Had a shock loss to Manly. And that's kind of where things changed a little bit. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that was they were first at the time when they come up against Manly. And Manly, I think, had just come off a bad loss. And that was unexpected. Um, Parramatta won their next three games, but they were not convincing, and the attack was different. Yeah. It wasn't free-flowing, it wasn't sharp, it wasn't brutal or unrelenting, it was doing enough. And it was, it wasn't like they were being conservative. Like, Doing enough was the maximum they were able to achieve for a while yeah. there in their attack. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat the Tigers 26-16. They built the Bulldogs by two points. They beat Cronulla by two points. They lost to the Dragons by two. They beat Melbourne by fourteen. They then got flogged by South. Um, they beat the Warriors by six. They got they they were never in that game against Penrith that they lost twenty to two.
1: And, they and beat. Th- that game flattered them on the scoreboard. Like, that was another yeah. contest. Yeah, they weren't in that at any point.
0: They never looked like they were going to threaten Penrith in that game at any point.
1: Mm.
0: Um, they beat Brisbane, but then against those everyone. And then they, they were lucky to beat the West Tigers in the last round. As I said, like, the Tigers, if their goal-kicking had been only a little bit better, the Tigers won that game. So yeah. It's a very. There's just something unconvincing about them now. They started the season looking like they were going to be the genuine premiership favourites. They looked and unbeatable. Just, mm, and then it's just slowly, like they haven't they haven't been horrible at you know for any long period. Every time they've had a loss, they've been able to rectify it and win the next week. They haven't had back to back losses all year. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But you've never been con- we haven't been convinced by their attacks since about. Round eight. <laughs> when they yeah, put
1: forty I, on the night on the Cowboys, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I and like when they come into that first game against Penrith, it looked like okay, the Eels are the team to beat this year. Penrith might be alright this year, and we'll see how they go against a real premiership contender. And they beat Penrith, and you're like, Oh well, you know, that kind of makes sense because the Eels just look unstoppable. And then things changed and they've never changed back. You've kind of been waiting for them to get that form back and it hasn't come back. Um, It's not like, I mean, a lot of their players are still in pretty good form, but it's not the entire team that's in good form. Um, Junior Paulo is still one of their best players. He's fantastic. Dylan Brown, who is currently injured, I think, is their big loss. And when you look at the way that uh, Moses has been playing... You know, at the start of the year, he was on fire. And since they have not been, you know, beaten everyone, he's looked like a completely different player. He's been very, very quiet. I I suggest he, even when Brown has been out, he hasn't even been their best halfback after that. I think Jai Fields has been better. Yeah. Than him.
0: Well, Moses has
1: been tentative.
0: Yeah. And we, we're seeing him play the way he was playing at the West Tigers, where instead of... Doing what he what Brad Arthur got him to do, which was, you know, Arthur managed to see that when Moses plays straight, that's when he plays at his best. Mm-hmm. And that's what Moses has been doing most of his time at Parramatta. But the back half of this season, he's been very sideways. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's doing at the Tigers. And we didn't see the best of Moses at the Tigers because of that. Um, and that's what he's doing now. And I, I put a lot of it down to the fact that um, Reed Mooney wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he's only come back in the last week or two, I think. Mm. And so he'll help to get a lot of those runners running straight again, which will help to sort of straighten Moses up a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully for Parramatta's sake, uh, that'll lead to Moses playing a little bit better. But um, yeah, Parramatta is the only team in the top eight who did not come up with at least 420 odd points this year.
1: Yeah. and.
0: They finished on 392. The next worst was Newcastle with 421.
1: And like some of their forwards fell right off, like Reagan Campbell-Gillard. He started off the season really well and just fell away. I was a bit surprised that they allowed Daniel Alvaro to go to the Warriors because I thought he was one of those players like, you know, he's very good off the bench and, you know, he can fire up a team with the way that he runs the ball hard. Um, Kane Evans, he tailed off as the season went on, on as well. Uh, Nathan Brown obviously had that thing with, you know, pretending that he'd hurt his neck and then jumping straight up. And, you know, you could say that that probably didn't affect him, but I feel as though on some level it did, whether it was affected him or other teams just got the shits with him and just targeted him from then on.
0: Yeah, I don't um, know. I think the other thing is that that also brought out some... Some people analysing Parramatta and saying that they've been taking that dive regarding you know suffering from crusher tackles more often than any other team purely mm-hmm. to draw to get penalties. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if other teams took notice of that that commentary mm-hmm. and they started to tackle them differently so that they couldn't rely on that anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit harsh to think that they did, yeah. but um, I don't know. There's just something in the the way they played the game changed. Um, I'd probably be more inclined to put it down to just Moses being injured and then Mooney getting injured and Dylan Brown going missing because of his injury. And it just it, it took away from the rhythm and their flow. And I think that those, three, those three players getting injured was what changed their season. Um, the fact they still won games and stuff like that's a credit to the rest of the side. But um, I think right now
1: they are missing Brown yep. a lot more than anybody else. Yeah, I, I would I would ask you this question too, because I, I think that if Brown was to come back this week, I saw NRL Physico saying it would be a it'll be the fastest anyone's ever come back from from the injury that he had. So I don't expect him to be back this round, especially when you consider that they're playing the Storm. It's going to be a hard game to win anyway, and they get a second chance. So yeah. you know he's he's going to get a he'll probably be right the following week. If you took Moses and switched him for Benji Marshall right now, what would your thoughts on the Paramedic Eels be? Because if they made, the, if you, it was possible to make that switch right now, I'd be terrified of the Eels. Yeah, it's an interesting one.
0: I, I don't know. I think I'd probably leave Moses in the side, but I put Benji on the bench mm-hmm. and just say, look, Benji's going to come on in the second half
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he's going to play as a six so Moses it's still your team but Benji's going to be there and he's going to be he's going to be setting up tries and shit like that just like you are he's going to be a playmaker he's not going to be a ball runner Mm -hmm. so I think because I think Moses works best when he's got some competition and especially when the competition is a better playmaker than him it gives him something to aspire to work towards but when he's and equal to someone else. Yeah. He's, I think a part of his mind goes, okay, I'm there equal. I'm, I'm safe. I'm good enough. That's good enough. So I think that's part of what he, he does mentally. Um, but if he's got someone who's better than him, then he tries to lift his game up to their level so that he can try and be better than them. So that, and I think that's what you got with Dylan Brown. He's a, he's a genuinely good playmaker. So Brown playing well dragged Moses' up to, you know, up to his levels, so to speak. And that's, I don't know, I think that's something that Moses needs. He needs that competition. So maybe having Benji on the bench would be something that would, it'd be in the back of Moses' mind. It might be the thing to sort of spark his attack to be a bit better than what it is, because at the moment he's a bit pedestrian. I think he's still worried about stretching out when he's running the ball. Um... We're seeing that his his kicking is struggling
1: as well with that too. So yeah. there's something there, I think. Well, that's the thing. Like I I when I saw him get that injury, I thought he'd done his Achilles. He d- he did all of the things you expect to see from a player that has done their Achilles, and it turned out it was it wasn't his Achilles. It was his calf. But part of me wonders if if there is like he's not been the same player since. There's no doubt about that. Um I, I just think that he, he's gone right back in his shell and how do you get him back out of it? Because you need him to go into the game thinking he the most he's the most dangerous player on the field. When he's out there and he thinks he's the most dangerous player on the field and he can't do anything wrong, he's the most dangerous player on the field. And I'll, he can't I'll do anything
0: wrong. See you what you do, you go to him and you say, Mitch, Bradfield has just had a conversation with me and he said if you can find that for me at the start of the year. Mm. He's going to put you in the New South Wales squad. Mm-hmm.
1: Watch him pick his game up. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Do that. Get Brad Fittler talk to him and say, "Hey, listen. Good luck this week. You're in with a shot."
0: Yeah. Don't don't be scared to take the line on. Yeah. Queenslanders hate it. <laughs> That's all you say. Queenslanders hate it when the house take That's the line on, and yeah. you you just put that little put that little carrot in his head. He's like, ooh. Do you think I'm in with a shot? All right. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying anything, Mitch. Just just letting you know. Um, so for Parramatta, um they had a few players play 20 games this year. Wunga Blake, Micah um, Clint Gutherson and Sean Lane mm-hmm. all played 20 games. Top try scorer this year was Sivo with 15 and top point scorer was Moses with 111.
1: Oh, yeah. Tell you what, Sevo's season. Started off with a bang, but really tailed off a bit too, didn't
0: it? Yeah, a lot of them did at, yeah. at Parramatta. Yeah. Um, okay, Melbourne, second.
1: Melbourne, they're in for a slow season this year. <laughs>
0: yeah, Karen oh, Smith, he's too old now. It's not going to work. Yeah.
1: Um, Boy, people just get it wrong, and I'm one of them. Um... <laughs> See, I stopped doing that, like, years ago. So, th- like... I, I swear the last probably eight years I've picked the Storm to win the Premiership. <laughs> uh, I've, I think the last two years I've been saying
0: over and over again that I think Cameron Smith needs to move to halfback. That way they can they don't have to have him doing so much defensive work and that yeah. will lengthen his career. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's no doubt that he can play for as long as he wants. And they still put him at nine and he's still playing great. So, you know, yeah, what this is why I'm a, a podcaster. A statistician <laughs> and a historian and not a fucking NRL coach. <laughs> <laughs> not nice. something I make a bad coach, just that I'd never make a Melbourne Storm coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, four losses for the year. One was this week against the Dragons when the the Storm pretty much played yeah, a Queensland Cup team.
1: Yeah. And almost won.
0: And almost won. Um you know, Papenhausen, who was the captain, missed four goals. Which would have been enough to draw the game. Mm-hmm. So that's where they were at. Um, not a bad season from the Storm. They they were competitive in pretty much every single game they played. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raiders did a job on them in round three, beat mm-hmm. them twenty-two to six. Panthers beat them twenty-one fourteen in round six. Um, that was that was a bloody good game. Yeah, and. They had a, a, sh- a pretty much a shocking performance when they played against Parramatta in round fifteen and lost fourteen 0 Yeah, um, and they had quite a few players out for that game, uh, and then yeah, just the, the loss today against the Dragons, thirty to twenty two, and as we said, that was basically a second string Melbourne team. So you can't really take anything from that. They've rested all of their star players, so they're going to be in good health and good form
1: coming into the coming into the finals. Yeah, and that like they're doing. Everything you could want from them, I still do think they need a halfback. I, I, I and this is going in last year. We'll talk about Jerome, uh, Jerome Hughes. I, I don't think he's the halfback that they need to win a premiership, and I, I, I'm yet to be convinced. Uh, Cameron Munster, fantastic. Uh, Cameron Smith, amazing. Their forwards have been very good this year. Um, they've got a lot out. Uh, Josh Adokar's had maybe his best season ever. He's been really fantastic. And, y- you know, he's done more than just um, being on the end of try-scoring uh, plays. He's really changed games for them at times.
0: Which yeah, is and really I think see. it's come down to the fact that instead of just parking himself on the wing and waiting for the opportunities to come to him, he's been very, very proactive about coming in and looking for the ball and trying yep. to make something happen. Yep. Um,
1: and that's been a huge benefit to his career because he's looked at a million bucks. He really has. Um, uh, Justin Olam has been improved on last year, which I think he needed to. Um, and then Pappenhausen at the back. He's really added that X factor that they were probably missing last year.
0: Oh, absolutely. He's kicked on so well. Mm. Um, the thing that has happened is they've been playing Brandon Smith in this team, sometimes a prop, sometimes on the bench. But what happens is um, usually around about the second half, you you tend to start seeing Cameron Smith being shifted out to first receiver. Mm -hmm. Brandon's still being able to play some hooker, and Cameron's playing as first receiver. He's a little bit outside the ruck, so he's got a bit more time to sort of be creative and help um, Hughes out. Mm-hmm. A bit with playmaking duties. And that's you I've seen the storm meddling with it a bit over the last two seasons. And they're doing it a bit more this year. It just it's I think the difference is that this year it's working better. Yeah, yeah. Um I think Jerome Hughes's he's had a he's actually had a, a reasonably decent back end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um and there's quite a few players who they've brought in for today's game, who played pretty well, which would be good for um, for Craig Bellamy coming into the, the finals, knowing that he's got a fair bit more depth than he may have realised at the time.
1: Yeah, and, and like, it, it's, they look more set than they did this time last year. I feel like they're more settled. Yeah. They know where they're at, and that's a good thing. Um, they, they've got a few more different looks that they can give you as well. I, I think sometimes the problem that the Storm have had is that they, they have a, a, set, a set thing that they like to go out and do when they do it, and they don't have enough wrinkles in their game plan to put another team on the back foot because the, back, the, the other team knows what the Storm's going to give them. That's and right. I think that this year they've got those wrinkles in their game that they can throw a few different things that, that worries you and, and that you're not expecting.
0: Um, no, I think they're going to have a, a, a good finals campaign. I mean, they're going to have Parramatta in the first week. I think, aren't they? So you'd expect you'd expect a fully rested Storm in good form to to beat that that Parramatta team we just spoke about, mm-hmm. and then get a week off.
1: Yeah. And um, do, do you feel want like to play I feel as? Oh, who would they play then? I oh, worked this out yesterday. Hey.
0: Who who would want to take them on? It would be a team in the bottom four. Yeah. Um. um
1: probably Canberra or the Roosters. It, so it was, okay, so if, if between the Panthers and the Roosters, they will play the winner of the Raiders and Sharks.
0: Yeah, so they so, the Raiders.
1: Yeah. So, and then the Storm and the Eels, the loser of that game, will go on to play the winner of the Rabbitohs and Knights
0: i will play South. Yeah. Oh, geez.
1: And then I believe...
0: They cross over. So the winner of the second game will play the winner of the first. Yes, yes. Uh, Yeah. No one wants to play
1: against the Storm. Not this time of year. No, no. I think that... It's funny. I think that the two things... I don't know about the Panthers... I really don't know about the Panthers, and I think that that's part of me being too close to the Panthers. But two of the teams I know that everyone does not want to play is the Storm and the Rabbitohs.
0: Yeah, this final is absolutely. Um, and they're both season campaigners there. Even the Roosters, to some extent, they're going to be a team you don't want to come up against because you know that 90% of the time they're going to play a good footy and they can attack from anywhere and score points at any time. Yeah. Um, we just don't know how they're going to respond to what happened to them last week. Yeah. That's pretty much it. But we know that they can beat any of the teams in the comp whenever they want. Mm -hmm. So those are the three big threats. Um, Melbourne's just so good at playing finals footy. Don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, not one of their players played 20 games this
1: year. Oh, wow, That's interesting.
0: Um, the top try scorer was Ado Car with fifteen, and Cameron Smith, obviously the top point scorer with one hundred and forty eight.
1: Still, still kicking them goals,
0: and kicking goals that possibly the uh, the best he's ever done on too. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's always been one of those sort of sometimes could be a bit sketchy with his goal kicking, but this year eighty three point three three percent with a boot, which is his best year since twenty eleven. Yeah, and twenty eleven was his best year as a full time goal kicker. Oh wow, that's interesting. This is his second best year.
1: The all time leading point scorer in Premiership history.
0: Yeah, and he's had interestingly enough, his last shot of goal was his seventeen hundredth conversion attempt. Wow. Sorry sorry, goal goal attempt, yeah. So
1: You would take come... seventeen hundred points. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's currently sitting on two thousand seven hundred and fifty points. Whoa, that's crazy. That is. He's got every record. Um, But the one record he doesn't have is most tries by hooker in the history of the game.
1: Who holds that one, Andrew? Robert Farah. Ah, there we go. (laughs) Comfortably.
0: Um, Yeah, there's one team left. Who would that be? The Mighty Minor Premiers. Oh, yeah. Penrith. 18 wins, one draw, one loss, 90% win percentage for the year. Hasn't been done since 95 and it's only been done 12 times since 1908 before them. Crazy. Unbelievable. Um Won their last 15 straight games. I record that hasn't, something that hasn't been done since the undefeated Dragons of 1959. Just an insane performance from this team. And everyone will always say, yep, their defense looks perfect. They're always, you know, one of the first teams to score in every game. And, you know, they're able to rack up scores. Well, you know what?
1: Bugger that. Their defense has been so insanely brilliant all year. Yeah, I I don't know that I've ever seen... I'm sure you could look up the records and find statistically a better defensive team over the last, you know, 20 years or something. But just on the eye test, I've never seen a team be able to just strangle an opposition for giant chunks of the game and give them absolutely nothing... Like this Panthers team can do, but and it's not just what they do defensively. It's then they turn it around in attack and complete their sets over and over. And it's just this relentlessness. And on top of that, their bench is so deep that when their forwards start rotating, there's no you get no respite from it. Like they they could start their bench players and they would perform just as well as their starters. Um, it's incredible watching this team and being a fan of them and seeing them put together a season like this. I honestly can't believe it. It has been so enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I mean, only twice this season has a team put more than three tries on them. Mm. And on both occasions, those teams lost. <laughs> The Dragons in round two scored five tries and lost 32-28, and the Sharks in round nine scored four tries and lost 56-24.
1: That's amazing.
0: Um, Other than that, it's been, well, for the last eight, nine weeks, Mm -hmm. no team scored more than two tries against them.
1: Which in itself is ridiculous. And especially when you look at the score lines that have been going up all over the league for for that time. Um, looking at their season, there's been a, a few turning points for them. I didn't think the Roosters game at the start of the year when they beat the Roosters was a turning point. It was more of a nice bonus. Um, then when they played the Parramatta Eels for the first time and it was a gauge of where they were at and they weren't where the Eels were at. The Eels were the premiership leaders at the time they were the favorites at the time and the Panthers weren't there but I think since then we've seen some of their younger players improve especially their outside backs Um, the likes of Crichton to O has been great Um, Naden as well he's improved and I think with that improvement and these players sort of realizing the monsters that they are that's where the Panthers improvement has come. And and when you couple that with what their forwards were already doing. And then on top of that, Nathan Cleary, who you've got to remember, you know, he was out for a couple of weeks after we come back into the competition. And he has put together one of the great halfback seasons I've ever seen. You know, I'm I'm not saying that he has done the sorts of things you've seen from an Andrew John's at his best but I would say everyone behind him, I don't think I've seen a halfback do what Nathan Cleary has put together over the course of an entire season and his goal kicking and his defense. And it's just been incredible. And so there was that game against the Parramatta Eels weren't quite there. The next game for me was when they took on the Storm and they flat out beat the Storm. That That was, was,
0: yeah, I think for me, the turning point was after they lost to Parramatta.
1: Mm Mm-hmm
0: and that was their first loss of the year, obviously. Yeah. Um, they then came up against the Storm, and they had a, a tricky run after that because they also had the Tigers, who were not doing too bad at the time. <gasps> the, the Sharks, whose attack had been pretty strong,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you never knew what sort of Sharks' time you were going to get. Same with the Cowboys. And so there were these really tricky games. You couldn't get a gauge on what was going to happen. You didn't know what you were coming up against. Yeah. And it was a tricky run coming up. And the first thing they had to do was get past Melbourne, who, let's be honest, Penrith's record against Melbourne in the last Uh, 14, 15 years. Atrocious. So so since 2006, they played them 20 times and had 18 losses. Mm. So they were a genuine hoodoo team. And they came out and beat them 21-14 in an absolute stunning match. And Penrith hung in and would not – they refused to let Melbourne to get back into the game. Mm-hmm. They just kept in control of the game, and that, for me, was the turning point. Yeah. Because that was the start of the entire 15-game run. Um, and they've not looked like losing any game
1: since then. No, there was there was win- a game against the the Raiders where people were still saying, oh, the Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders, and they come up against the Raiders – and it was just a no contest once well, again. And that, that was, the that, was
0: that was when the Raiders were starting to show a bit of their yeah. attack. Yeah. So we thought they're starting to wind up now. And, yep, yeah, they looked after them very comfortably. Um, the next big challenge, I guess, was going to be against Brisbane because any time a team goes on a losing run or a winning run, there's always this expectation it's going
1: to end sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Brisbane came out to play on that game. Yeah, and it's weird because in that game, I've been confident in most of these games since they started. Once they got past the storm and they, they started getting on that role and it's like, well, they really... Sh- and when you and me talked about it on a podcast, we, there was, I think it was 15 games into the season, and we were like, they kind of should win the rest of these games. But that Brisbane game is probably the most nervous I've been because it, it had all of those elements, like the Broncos had nothing to lose. It was at that point where pe- people were waiting for the Panthers to fall off, and wouldn't it be funny if they did against the, the Broncos? And the Broncos played really, really well. It was a really good game to watch. Yeah. Yeah, Brisbane really came out for that
0: game. Um, but no, to the credit, they stuck true and solid and continued their great form and, and wound it out with a very convincing win in the end of the year with a
1: 42-0 flogging of the Dogs. Um yeah. And the other one, too, was that, that return game against the Eels. Yes. And, and it being the only team that had beaten them, and to beat them so like convincingly, just to crush them, was was amazing. I, was, I actually went to that game. It was fantastic, thanks to Nadine. And to see that, but then to come out against the Dogs, and it's like, what do you want to see the Panthers do against a team like the Bulldogs? And they probably did exactly what you would have wanted to see, 42 yeah. nil.
0: Exactly. Um, three players played all 20 games for the for the Panthers this year. It was uh, Jerome Luai, Isa Yeo, and Moses Leota. Uh, top try scorer was Stephen Crichton with 15. And top point-scorer, Nathan Cleary, with 171 from 18 games.
1: It's been fantastic, Cleary. Um, I mean, it's hard to pick a, a player in the team that hasn't played well. Even their, the reserves have played well. Um, Dane Laurie on the weekend playing at fullback was fantastic. Um, Charlie, Charlie Stain, six tries in two games. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The greatest try score in the history of the, the game. Yeah. Um, just an incredible season. I, I can't believe I've experienced it and it's been my team. It's sort of something that you normally see out of the storm and and you would think, wow, this is incredible. The storm haven't done this.
0: no. And it's the, I mean, they're the second youngest team in the comp.
1: Yeah, that like they're set for a number of years. Um, they'll lose Tamo at the end of the year, but their four depth is ridiculous. So,
0: yeah, I'll tell you what. The one thing that's been good for me uh, to watch, yeah, and this is probably a bit of a surprise. Um, Josh Mansour is mentally back in the game again.
1: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent.
0: You could tell he was really. Unsure of himself last year when he came back from that injury,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he even started this year a bit, a bit tentative. But he's finished his season on absolute high. He's been in great form. Yeah, um, he's been back. Great. He's back to his best. I mean, look, he's scored a try in all of the last six games.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is too that, and it's been mentioned a few times, like the camaraderie with this team is, it's a bit different. You know. They, 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 I know that it's easy to enjoy a season like they are having, but they really seem to enjoy each other's company. It's really weird. Well, I think it shows
0: in the defense because as, as I said recently, um, you know, unlike a lot of other teams out there, the Panthers, whenever there's a tackle to be made, there's always two of them there. Yeah. Like they're, they're turning up for each other in defense and that's why teams aren't scoring points against them. Yeah. Um that's hard to beat. So, it's they're not they're not unbeatable, but it's going to take a very very unique attack to get past them. And that's why I think Melbourne and the Roosters are going to be Penrith's biggest threat because they both have um very dynamic attacking options across the park on both sides of the field.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to take. I don't think Parramatta offers that. Yeah, I agree. And, like, the, the Panthers will tackle all day. So you're not going to wear them down. No. Um, it's going to take an incisive attack and, and to, to really, you know, break them open. And, and, yeah, the Storm and the Roosters are the two. Um, it's I'm happy to be playing the Roosters first up. Uh, if the Roosters can turn it around from last week and win, bloody hell. Like, that in itself is historic, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been an amazing season, and I've just loved every minute of it, and I know there's a lot of criticisms and stuff, I don't care about any of it, I love hearing it, I love all of the, the naysayers, and the, oh, the, the draw's been soft, and it's like, well, they beat everyone, it's like, oh, they've played a lot of games at home, and it's like, well, they've, you know. A lot of teams have played games at home. And just all of these criticisms, I'm like, just keep feeding me them. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> and I, as I said to Nadine a few weeks ago, I will be happy to hear people saying, oh, yeah, but it's an asterisk season while we're all getting COVID as we're at their grand final parade. So, Well, you yeah. know
0: what? I, I want to quickly address that thing about people calling it an asterisk season. Oh. Okay. We have had seasons that have been shortened yep. um, on a whim. Um, in the past, and no one has called any of those seasons asterisk seasons. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to go through a few. 1925, like, South was so far ahead of everyone, and there were still a few rounds left to go. Mm-hmm. But because the system, the season was first past the post, which means if you're the minor premier, we won't have finals. You're just you just automatically the premier, unless yeah. you're on the same competition points as the team that's in second and third, et cetera, et cetera. South was so far ahead. They hadn't lost a single game. They just went, let's just stop the season now and play a midweek cup. Mm -hmm. That's what they did. No one's taken that title off South. Um, In 1924, in uh, 1921, 1937, these were all seasons that only had about eight or nine rounds. Yep. No one takes those competitions away from those people. Um, And some of those were either because of war or just because... They wanted to play the City Cup competition, which was a lot more popular at the time. I'd i mm-hmm. hear I know, but uh no one wants to take those, no one wants to discredit those competitions and they were all shortened seasons. Much more shortened than this. Yeah. And so as far as I'm concerned, if every team is turning up, they're full strength and um they're committed to playing the games and they're playing a they're all playing the same number of games. I can't see any reason why this should be considered a asterisk season. Um, even the warriors who didn't even get to use their full strength squad still managed to put in a bloody stellar season for for what they had to deal with. Yep. And I don't know. I I think it's absolute horseshit that people want to try and discredit this season as being an asterisk season because of the virus. Um, it's historically, it's incorrect and it's utterly stupid utterly stupid i don't i don't accept it at all
1: and i never will yeah i i don't get it either um like i when i think how many games would you have to play before you start saying oh yeah but it's it's one of those seasons i feel as though it's less than one game against each, each team like if it, if we we're playing a 12 game season i'd say well you know it's a bit of a different season
0: well, yeah, I mean, some of should play everyone at least once. I, yeah. think you've, I think that is enough to call it a legit legit season.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's um, always
0: been the main goal for the competition is we must make sure that
1: everyone plays each other at least once. Yep, 100%. And the the other thing is too, and we talked about this in the last episode, the fact that there's been no origin to break it up and it's been a straight through season, I've really enjoyed that. I, th- I think it, it's been fantastic. And I think it's... It's If anything, it's enhanced the season because it's been a natural season. It hasn't been broken up by something artificial. And so, like, I, I just, there's no way it can be seen as a asterisk season. And, like, I don't mind if people say it because whoever wins the title at the end of the year will not give a shit what people are saying. They never, ever do. But, you know, I, I it's a it's a weird thing. I think people say it to be clever and it's not real clever.
0: No, nah, it's dumb. Well, I'll tell you what, we should probably wrap this one up because it's gone on a bit longer than we probably thought.
1: <laughs> it's just a quick one. <laughs> yeah, just a quick
0: one. Yeah. Um, so thanks for enduring our season review. We're yeah, going to have to do a, a finals preview and do some um, some history pieces, stuff like that, over the next week or so.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing the finals preview um my voice has just managed to get it to the end of this podcast hey it has. i'll
0: tell you what in the last two and a half days we've now pumped out over eight and a half hours of content whoa that's amazing <laughs> two two live shows two podcasts so if you want to see the whole lot in one easier to check out place go to our youtube page um, subscribe like all the videos on there it'll take you a while um and if you if you want i know we want you to Press play on every single video. Yeah,
1: it's fantastic. Play all,
0: and then yeah. just listen.
1: Yeah,
0: or don't. Just turn the volume down, and just go do something else, and just <laughs> leave the browser open for three,
1: three months till it finishes.
0: <laughs> That'll be fine. We'll be happy with that.
1: You um, got to listen to you got to listen to the one called I believe Rabidos versus Roosters. We did about four days ago. Now it just starts off with gold.
0: Yeah, yeah, and. Doesn't relate. The live shows are pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Don't forget, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, as I said, Facebook. So get across all of those and and check us out there. We've got our own website, FergoInTheFreak You can go there and leave us a comment, which we want. We want you to do it. Yeah. We can because we we often read them out on here and answer your questions and we We want to uh we want to hear what you've got to say and and respond to it um also, go to your podcast um, device and make sure you leave us a five star review and a positive comment. We'll read it out on the podcast as well as putting it up on the website so we'll make you famous there too
1: one hundred percent The other thing to do if you're interested in supporting the digitization of rugby league history, go to patreon dot com slash rl project and support my friend Andrew Ferguson as he becomes the leading historian and statistician in all of Rugby League.
0: And uh, while you're at it and you've got your PayPal details on you, head over to uh, patreon.com slash leaguefreak and donate to one of the longest-serving independent rugby league content creators there is in the world. That's this fella here, League Freak. He's got a few tiers there, so you can get involved there. If you go into the higher tiers and you stay there for a few months, You'll get a bit of merch as well.
1: Free merch.
0: Free merch. uh, What more could you ask for? And don't forget, as always, our friends at Manscaped.com. Head over there, buy whatever you like, get into the uh, the checkout, and make sure you put in the code NRL. That's our gift to you. You'll get 20% off, free shipping, 30-day money-back guarantee. You're welcome, people.
1: Your balls will love it.
0: They will. And... uh, We'll wrap this one up, let you all go, so we can go to bed. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you next time.